received. The Thunderbirds on a 3-0 mini run. Trinity Western calls timeout. earlier Trinity Western had the lead at 10 to 8 but on a short serving run right now with Lauren Whitehead the Thunderbirds have surged ahead to take the lead Lauren Whitehead to serve here Thunderbirds ahead by one in the fifth and deciding set a standing line drive serve to Andrea Ball. O'Reilly sets in the middle. Played across by Perrin. To the left side for Marcel. Attacking ball to Jensen Van Dorn. Dirksen Bergen to Marcel at the left side. Blocked, saved by Queering. Set from the back row, attacking there. Richie hits into Andrea Ball from the left side. Perrin, roll shot to Richie. In the middle, tip shot from Brunsma. Perrin, a roll shot to the back row again. Richie with the dig. Dirksenbergen to Marcel. Hard smash. Great dig by Neufeld to Hamilton and no further. Marcel forcing the issue against the Trinity Western defense. Winning the point. And the Spartans substitute Chelsea Wan back in. She replaces Carly Hamilton. Lauren Whitehead serving for UBC with the lead 12 to 10. Standing float serve down the left side to Newfeld. O'Reilly sets the left side. Wand, a cross court ball to Marcel. Director Bergen sets back to Marcel. Kill shot off the Spartans block of Lauren O'Reilly out of bounds. Thunderbirds on a 4 nothing run. On service with Lauren Whitehead. The Spartans use their last timeout here in this fifth set, trying to stop UBC momentum of five straight points. You can hear the UBC Thunderbirds support section down to our broadcast rights. Thunderbirds with a three-point lead, critically close to closing this match out in five sets while the Spartans trying to battle back. Playing for the Canada West's gold medal. As Lauren Whitehead for UBC serves 13 to 10. Andrea Ball, Lauren O'Reilly, a back set to Andrea, Alicia Perrin for the kill, cross courts. Spartans get the critical side out at 11 to 13. Jen Hinza for UBC substituted back in. 
to replace Lauren Whitehead. She'll re-enter the match the next time Brianna Laukent makes a substitution on the Libero. As Chelsea Wan serves for Trinity Western. At the left side, Marcel blocked at the net. Alicia Perrin turning away Marcel's attack. Trinity Western fighting back. UBC Thunderbirds use their last remaining time out here in this fifth set, leading 13 to 12. Down to the wire, these two teams showing why they're the titans of the Canada West Conference, battling in the seesaw battle down to the nitty gritty. Timeout. Trinity Western Spartans will continue to serve with Chelsea Wand. And the crowd is building here at War Memorial Gym, watching the conclusion of this women's volleyball Canada West gold medal match. Tip shot in the middle from Brunsma. And from the left side, Jensen Van Dorn. A great dig by Richie in the back row for UBC. Marcel, the counterattack, drills the kill shot down the left side. The Spartans in protest, calling for a different referee's ruling. And Kara Jensen Van Dorn very emphatically pleading her case that the ball landed out on the left sideline. And two line judges right now conferring with the referee's ruling. The call will stand. UBC Thunderbirds, two match points, 14 to 12. And it's Dirksenbergen for UBC to serve. Jody Neufeld to O'Reilly, back to Neufeld to bump across. Dirksenbergen to Marcel, hits it wide left. Spartans survive one UBC match point. They have to survive another as they serve 13 to 14. And their Canada West Rookie of the Year, Alicia Perrin, they hit the service ball. Jump float serve to Liao Kent. Dirksen Bergen, bump set to Richie, tip shot. Jensen Van Dorn has the ball back to her and the kill shot off the hands of Dirksen Bergen out of play. The kill shot there, the Spartans tied the score, 14-all. We're gonna need extra points in this fifth set to determine the conference gold medal winner. Alicia Perrin for the Spartans, serving again. Line drive serve to Liao Kent, over bump, hit back for the win, for the kill shot there for Lauren O'Reilly. Trinity Western on three straight service points. 15 to 14 have a championship point of their own. Alicia Perrin to serve, 15 to 14. Leo Kent on the service received. Dirksenberg into Richie off the net court and down for the kill. 
cross-court kill off the net court and off the reach of Kara Jensen Van Dorn out of play. 15-all on the UBC side out. Shanice Marcel, flat serve landing just in at the baseline. Ace puts UBC at championship point again. Their fourth chance, their third chance at match point, pardon me, after that Shanice Marcel ace. Marcel going to jump, line drive serve to Neufeld, across the net, out of play. Off the hands of Jody Neufeld, out of play, and the ace by Shanice Marcel wins UBC Thunderbirds, the Canada West Championship title over the Trinity Western Spartans in five sets here at UBC's War Memorial Gym. All the Thunderbirds players making a dogpile on top of Shanice Marcel, a player that struck the championship winning ace for UBC to win 17-15 in the fifth and deciding set. And a trophy presentation to come here courtside at War Memorial Gym. UBC Thunderbirds as the Canada West Conference champion advance to the national championship next weekend in Laval along with the silver medal winner Trinity Western Spartans and the bronze medal winner Alberta Pandas. player of the match for UBC Thunderbirds has been their attacking leader all night, Kyla Ritchie for UBC Thunderbirds. But Lisa Barkley also a great match coming off the bench, 13 kills along with Shanice Marcel, the player who hit the deciding point on championship points, 17-15. Right now we're waiting uh, a po some post-game thoughts from UBC Thunderbirds head coach Doug Reimer courtside as the UBC Thunderbirds uh, give thanks to their supportive fans and the War Memorial Gym crew. The head coach of the UBC Thunderbirds, Doug Reimer. Uh, Coach, you and Trinity Western, that one did not disappoint. No, I think uh, if you didn't enjoy that, you don't enjoy volleyball and maybe you don't have a heartbeat. Uh, first conference championship at home since 2006. How's it feel, Coach? Uh, it feels very good. I think, uh, you know, we've been through a lot even this last week. We lost a starting middle blocker and to knee injury. And uh, for us to come back and win, you know, that way, I think shows a lot about our team. We needed this kind of pressure matches. Set down again in the fifth set. I thought a key moment you put Lauren Whitehead, fifth year senior, into serve, and she did a heck of a job for you. A lot of things about uh, good teamwork is knowing your roles, being able to do your roles, and uh, confidence in that. We have confidence in her, and like you said, it's a huge part of our win. Uh, coach, obviously, both teams go into the national championship game, win or lose, but you could see it. This was a great win for your team, and exactly like it's. You know, before the match, you're thinking, uh, it's important, it's seeding, it's Canada West, but in a way, you're already there. But then when you just see that, you know, the emotion going on there, and 
and frankly being able to you know like push through in that that's worth you know tons of hours of training right there thanks coach best of luck for the four pete eh? hey well we'll do our best it's not going to be easy as you can tell but uh we're we're ready to go i think thanks coach that was the post game comments of uh, ubc Head coach Doug Reimer speaking with our Daryl Wiener courtside here at War Memorial Gym. And right now as the courtside award ceremony is recognizing the Trinity Western Spartans, uh, we'll sign off here for our volleyball coverage. Coming up next here at War Memorial Gym, the Canada West men's basketball quarterfinal matchup, the best of three series UBC Thunderbirds against the Manitoba Bisons in game two. UBC leading one set to nothing. To wrap up your uh, Canada West Women's Volleyball uh, Day of Championship play, the Alberta Pandas defeated the Manitoba Bisons to win the bronze medal three sets to one, and the UBC Thunderbirds defeat the Trinity Western Spartans three sets to two to win the Canada West Championship title. All three teams, Alberta, Trinity Western, and UBC will advance to the National Tournament in Quebec starting on Friday. And, and good night from War Memorial Gymnasium. You've been listening to CITR Sports and simulcast on sportscanada.tv. Thank you very much, Jason Wang, and what an exciting volleyball game to end off our coverage of the Canada West Final Four. We hope you've enjoyed it. It certainly was uh, a great display of volleyball. Some of the rallies that took place at War Memorial Gym this weekend, especially in tonight's game, absolutely outstanding and some of the best you'll see around the world. I guarantee it and uh, very glad that we were able to bring you this uh, entire weekend on CITR and on CITR.ca. Uh, if you have a question, a comment about our coverage, as well as any story ideas, feel free to uh, email us at sports at CITR.ca. And, of course, I can tell you that uh, there is lots more action coming up. Men's basketball, UBC and Manitoba, as soon as they can finish the awards ceremony and then basically take out the nets and put in the basketball backboards and the padding and the tables uh, at War Memorial Gymnasium. They'll get that men's game started. But in the meantime, we'll give you bonus coverage. Yes, there's, it doesn't stop here on CITR. Bonus coverage of men's hockey here on 101.9 FM are Jeff Sargent and his father, Tim Sargent. The two of them, Sargent and son, as I call them, giving us the play-by-play uh, and -play color commentary of UBC and Alberta in men's hockey. So we'll join them right now live from the Thunderbird Arena at the Doug Mitchell Sports Center. Um, a little bit of sloppy play in the neutral zone, and they, Alberta springs a man free, and here we are at 3-0 after 2. Well, you're seeing the power and might of the number three ranked Alberta Golden Bears tonight and uh, getting a power play goal as well. Uh, early in the second period thanks to Sean Ringrose and then the 3-0 goal from Greg Gardner late in the period and that's where we stand right now UBC trailing 3-0 after 2 
and you have to think now UBC just has to play aggressive, get as many pucks on net as you said as well. They're trailing it again, almost being outshot two to one once again tonight, 28-15 the shots angle in favor of Alberta. Yeah, but you know what happens when you start to pressure, uh, when you're down by three and then you're gonna try to get everybody up on the rush and uh, we're likely gonna see some odd man rushes going back the other way. So Mr. White is gonna have to stand tall as he has so far already. He's stopped to 25 of 28. That's a pretty good game already. So uh, we'll see, but this, uh, uh, I'm really impressed with this, uh, the chemistry between uh, this um, Derek Ryan and Chad Clawson. You can just see why they're uh, tearing up the league. Um, just two wonderful players, um, and Alberta has to be the favorite to uh, to take the West. <laughs> well, Saskatchewan might give them a, a run for their money once again. Uh, they'll likely, I say likely, meet in the Can West final. Uh, UBC wishing they could be there to give them some competition as well, but UBC down to their final period of the season, trailing 3-0 on seniors night and we'll have a big hole to come out of to try and get the win and get the sweep and that's the final weekend of the regular season. We'll be back here in about 13 minutes or so with second, make it third period action. UBC trailing Alberta 3-0 after two periods. This is Jeff Sargent and Tim Sargent on CITR.ca, UBC Thunderbirds men's hockey. Thank you very much to the sergeants as they give you the update right at the very end of the second period. UBC losing 3-0 to Alberta in CIS men's hockey. And it is a very, very busy weekend here on the UBC campus. We've just finished the Canada West Final Four in women's volleyball. UBC, Trinity Western and Alberta will be going to the national championships after winning the medals here at this weekend's conference tournament. And a big deal for us, our CITRs, our very own Jason Wang will be going to the Nationals. He will be broadcasting live from Université Laval in Quebec City. He will be bringing you the games involving UBC. And hopefully, of course, uh, we will have joined them at a good time. They've already won three Nationals. We're hoping they can win one more. Uh, four in a row, that's what they're going for, and we hope that we can be a part of it. Uh, a magical run again for UBC. Jason Wang and the CITR Sports Department heading to Quebec City to broadcast the Women's National Championships in volleyball. So we hope uh, you can join us. Check our website, citr.ca, for the schedule. It has not been announced yet. Of course, the team's just being decided uh, tonight. Some of the team's being decided tonight. So please check our schedule at citr.ca, and uh, we will be posting uh, our games, our broadcasts, as soon as we know what will be happening with them. What I can tell you is that not only is there third period action coming up on citr.ca for this UBC Alberta men's hockey game there is also a basketball game coming up the second game of the canada west quarterfinal the first round of the playoffs in men's basketball ubc leading one nothing against manitoba they won the first game last night uh it was up and down but the thunderbirds did get the win and they will be looking to clinch tonight and advance to the Canada West Final Four, which they will host if they win and if they get into that next round. So, uh, again, we talked about next week. It is going to be very busy. Uh, there is going to be women's volleyball, and there could be, and it's very likely, UBC is the top seed, Canada West Final Four basketball action here 
at War Memorial Gymnasium. So it'll be another exciting weekend. Once again, uh, please check our schedules. Uh, UBC will be hosting if they win tonight or tomorrow um, in men's basketball. So uh, a chance for UBC to uh, not only advance to the next round but host the Canada West Final Four and clinch a spot at the national championships now unfortunately for the women's team uh, they will not be going on any further they lost two games in a row to the Alberta Pandas in uh, women's basketball in their first round playoff series once again it was on the road and UBC unable to uh, make that uh, trip and get a victory out of it but they still held on to a very slim chance, although uh, it was looking much better the yesterday, the day before. Uh, they held on to the chance that uh, they would be able to take the Canada West 5 spot, which would give them a spot at the CIS Regional Tournament. They would actually get bypass in terms of the bypass, in terms of the Final Four. They would actually get to skip that round and go directly to the regionals. Uh, that was the hope. But today, in Winnipeg, Fraser Valley, the women's team, completed the sweep of Winnipeg. So they will actually uh, go to the CanWest Final Four, and Winnipeg will likely clinch that fifth spot for the Canada West Regionals and in the conference standings. So UBC, uh, no chance for them to advance to the next round or the regionals I, I should say and uh, no chance of them qualifying for the nationals in women's basketball so unfortunately they will not make the trip east to Windsor to compete for another bronze baby and it's uh, very unlikely that well it's very unlikely that the BC team will win the national championships this year so uh, it will be interesting to see what happens uh, Fraser Valley looks like they are the best chance to continue that uh, uh, BC streak going, uh, surprisingly, in women's basketball. So it will be uh, interesting to see what happens in the next couple of rounds, but uh, it will not involve the UBC Thunderbirds women's basketball team as they go out yesterday and uh, see their final hopes for advancement uh, stripped away in a Fraser Valley win over Winnipeg. So that is it for the UBC women's basketball team, and that is it for the three graduating seniors. Uh, I know it's seniors' night for the men's hockey team, but uh, tonight uh, the three seniors for UBC have found out that they have indeed played their final basketball game for the Thunderbirds. Virginia Watson, Ariane Deshane, and Devin Listen, and uh, Devin, uh, the only one to finish her career on this team here with a national championship although uh, in heartbreaking fashion she was actually injured for the entire playoff run I certainly remember that year 2008 and it was uh, very sad for her not to be able to contribute on the floor to that national championship victory uh, at least during that playoff run but she had a great season uh, in the regular season that year and uh, we congratulate her Ariane and Virginia on a great run here at UBC it they were all uh, varying years, but uh, all of them uh, made themselves, you know, very proud 
having worn this UBC jersey. So once again, UBC's women's basketball team out of playoff contention. We're going to take a short break here on CITR 101.9 FM, and uh, we'll play you some public service announcements, a little bit of music before we get back to uh, more action with UBC men's basketball coming up here live from War Memorial Gymnasium. My name is Wilson Wong. You're listening to CITR Sports in our presentation of both women's volleyball and men's basketball. And the Thunderbirds will be getting ready, are getting ready at War Memorial Gymnasium right now. So we will check in with Daryl Wiener and Doug Richards in just a little bit. But now we'll play you a couple of public service announcements and uh, we'll be back after this on 101.9 FM in Vancouver and around the world on CITR.ca. The world's most shocking monster. That techno rock you guys listen to is gutless. I'm sure. And the only reason you don't understand our music is that you don't like it. After I'm gone, your Earth will be free to live out its miserable span of existence. Can anyone stop their mechanical mail? All of my most sensitive areas were inflamed. My extremities pulsating with tingling sensation. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. Swaying back and forth. A beautiful thing taking me away. You are a robot. of St. Eustatius School of Medicine is an accredited four-year medical school with graduates approved for residency and medical practice in Canada and the United States. They recruit students, not numbers, reviewing your entire profile, not just a single score. You're invited to attend an information session at the University of St. Eustatius School of Medicine's Basic Sciences and Clinical Medicine programs. Thursday, March 3rd, beginning at 5.30 p.m. in room 202 of the Hennings Building on UBC campus, 6224 Agriculture Road. Located on the island of St. Eustatius in the Dutch Caribbean, the university is committed to educating future physicians in a student-centered learning environment of academic excellence at an affordable cost. That's Thursday, March 3rd, beginning at 5.30 p.m. in room 202 of the Hennings Building on UBC campus, 6224 Agriculture Road. Yeah, the state of hip-hop right now, man, as far as the way I see it, um, I think right now um, hip-hop is advancing as far as skills. You got brothers, you know what I'm saying, getting like more witty. There ain't nobody to be pretty for. Let it rattle, let the clatter kill him, let the cataclysm wash. Who really listens? Precision with a verse draws a cry. Draw a line between an easy melody and peace of mind. Uh-huh. You got DJs doing all kind of crazy shit on the turntables. But um, I like I like where it's going and I like, you know what I'm saying, the creative process that brothers is trying to take it to right now. 
Rally Rails and Brendan Butter in the place to be. Crimes and Treasons Radio, 101.9 FM, Vancouver. CITR.ca, every Tuesday, 9 till 11. Dynamite! And you're listening to CITR 101.9 FM, as you just heard, home of UBC Athletics. We're a station of many, many talents here, whether it's, well, Indian language music, career advice, UBC sports. We do it all here at CITR. For those of you who are interested, uh, email us at, well, sports at CITR.ca if you're in the sports department, uh, or visit our website at CITR.ca for more information on how to join departments like the news. We have uh, music magazine. We have... Also, of course, all kinds of music shows and spoken word programs that uh, definitely provide you with much more range than your regular radio station. And so very proud of what we can do here at CITR. And we hope uh, you're enjoying our live sports coverage tonight here. My name is Wilson Wong, and uh, we are getting set for third period action of UBC men's hockey out at Thunderbird Arena. The men's basketball game is coming up. They're just resetting the court, and they're putting on the backboards and the padding and all that. So we'll get to UBC Manitoba men's basketball in just a few minutes. But uh, I think we should, of course, bring you at least part of the very final final period of the 2010-2011 season for UBC men's hockey, the Thunderbirds trailing by a score of 3 nothing against Alberta. So uh, work cut out for them if they are to take at least some points from this game. But uh, nonetheless, here are Jeff Sargent and Tim Sargent from Thunderbird Arena with third period action between UBC and Alberta joined in progress. Enjoy. They were tops in the Canada West. And uh, goals from Claussen, one of the two top scorers. Uh, followed up early in the second period by Sean Ringrose on the power play, and then late in the second, Greg Gardner making it 3 nothing. Yeah, very, very little sustained pressure by the T-Birds uh, in, in, in both those, uh, the first and the second period. Uh, this Alberta team just, uh, it just looks like they can just turn it on when they want to, and they, they sure got the wheels. They certainly do, and... Uh, you know what? If you're if you're the Thunderbirds, what do you do here in this third period? What's your what's your well? You got You know what strategy to, to to get back in this? Well, you gotta go for it. If you're a competitor, it's and it's your you got some pride to play for. It's your last game of the season. Uh, you you gotta go for it. But just be wary that um, if you're gonna send everybody on the rush, that uh, this Alberta team with their transition game, they can turn it around pretty quick. And the next thing you know, you're gonna have all kinds of odd man rushes and. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, just at the end of the second, that uh, Mr. White's going to be a uh, could be a busy boy. Well, indeed, if UBC starts taking chances, and then uh, the speed of the Bears could be a threat coming back the other way, as you mentioned. And uh, but certainly, I think the way in which the Birds play this third period will say plenty about their character as a team. And you got to think that between periods, Milan said, "Let's just go have some fun." Yeah, absolutely. Why not? What do they have to lose? It's uh, and again, it's seniors' night, the last game for four Thunderbirds here tonight. And, uh, you know, enjoy it. That's what, you know, you play this game for a reason because you have passion and enjoy it while you can. We're back in action now here in the third period. 
Alberta in their own zone. UBC going from our broadcast left to right. Ingles trying to dump it back in, but instead hitting Colossen. McGurk speeding to get the puck before the deadly John Clausen can. Clausen and Ryan are like puck magnets. The puck always seems to find their, find its way to, to their stick. And a good centerman with them as well, and Greg Gardner able to feed them for all these goals they've been able to score this season. Battle in deep in the Alberta zone. Hamilton trying to get the puck towards the net, but it's off the side of the net, now into the far corner. Wasden out there as well with Ingles. Now into the near side corner once again. Hamilton trying to lay out the check on Colin Joe who falls to the ice. And Alberta is out to clear it. Clausen dangling again this time though. Caught uh, on the uh, offside and I believe they're gonna call it intentional. They're bringing it all the way back. He was pretty far in there. <laughs> He was already well into UBC zone he when the pass have, was made. He used to have a name for guys that floated around at the opposition blue line waiting for that puck. The goal sucks. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> think it it's works. apropos for John Clausen. <laughs> for sure. But it does work. It works. Pajak now controlling it deep in Alberta's zone. Puck bounces off behind the net after his shot attempt to flex. Pajak now getting there before Bartow. Now for Wasden cycling back. Wasden trying to find a lane, takes it, shot just wide. Kokoski now behind the net for Pajak. Hamilton out there as well, two on one, battling for the puck, but it comes out to Ringrose instead. Out for Lauser, picked up by Wasden, quick shot, but blocked, and it goes into the corner. Wasden, good read on the play, but shot is blocked. Wasden with the puck again on the half boards. Back for Hamilton, goes by him. Pajak now behind the net, and he is checked there by Linda Mulder. And a puck finally coming out to Bartow. Bartow back to Linda Mulder and the Bears on their heels a bit there, but no harm done. And they exit the zone, back out for Campos now. Finds the puck on his stick after a clearing attempt. Campos backhanded shot, a weak one, easy save for Mucha. I think Campos was a, bit, a little bit lucky there, but uh, maybe good hand-eye coordination as well. He just knocked that puck down out of midair and gave himself a break. Brennan Campos, uh, perhaps uh, heading into the next season, going to have to take on more of a leadership role, and he'll be counted on for production as well, along with Tyler Ruel, who is a very talented player. A quick shot there by Lamb, and a good pad save by Mucha as the puck now comes all the way back to UBC zone in behind the net. Battling for it is Lineker. Drew Nickel there. Puts the puck onto the other side of the ice. McRae battling for it. And it comes loose to Gordachuk. He's watching Nickel. Bumps Nickel easily off the puck. UBC still can't clear it though. And it's sent back in by Nielsen but off the glass and then into the mesh. You mentioned Tyler Grell's name uh, just a minute ago, Jeff, and, he, you know, the T-Birds miss him, there's no doubt. He's a good player. He's a good player. Absolutely, and uh, two years ago, uh, when I was in Lethbridge for the UBC Thunderbirds playoff series against the Pronghorns, and uh, he played a key role and really came out uh, strong offensively in that series and was a big reason why they were able to, to down the Pronghorns. That was a great series. It was a very good series. It was an historic series. The longest ever Canada West playoff series <laughs> with uh, one game going into overtime and then 
the game three, the third deciding game, going into triple overtime. <laughs> it was a very long night, and I had a very long drive yes. back afterwards. We but enough of that. Veropoulos <laughs> with a quick shot and a right pad save by Jordan White. Maglio cycling it back for Lineker in their own zone, trying to clear it, and they can't. Colin Joe bumped off the blue line by Sonny, and now Gordachuk comes out. Gordachuk leading the rush. Yeah. see there that 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 rush kind of fizzled didn't it yeah well all of a sudden the puck ends up in the corner and Alberta is able to just clog it up and Zibar able to clear the zone back up to center sent back in by the Thunderbirds who make a change wholesale change for the UBC Thunderbirds Colin Joe uh, with some speed and you can see how he can use the speed and lead the rush as well and Putting him out with Clausen and Gardner and Ryan, you got four really speedy guys out there on the ice, one of them being the defenseman. Yeah, I think in general, and I I've maybe I've said this uh, almost too many times in this game, but the Bears just seem to have better legs. Quick skaters. And, uh, you know, perennial powerhouse are the Bears, and it, it doesn't hurt their recruiting either. You can go out and say, hey, why, don't, why not play for one of the Can West best teams year after year? Sharp angle shot there by Ryan and an easy save for White. Now behind the net, Schmidt trying to check Gardner off the puck and it comes off to Claussen. Back to Joe at the point. He stops looking for the shot and it goes off the post. And now onto the stick of Kimber, but uh, he tries to dump it in for icing. So a quick or a close call there for the Bears hitting the post, the far post and White getting some help but there on the transition or transition sorry you could see Kimber he it really was he should have taken another two steps and crossed the blue line before he dumped it in and now here we are icing face off back in the T-bird zone but another big win there for the Thunderbirds and Pepe able to get it out to Wasden Wasden out with Hamilton and Pajak and uh, Wasden's shot is deflected off uh, bur uh, bear stick and out of play so face off deep in Alberta's zone not quite five minutes into the third, and it's still a 3-0 Bears lead. Bears up to 30 shots now. And had it not been for Jordan White, the game could already be well out of reach long ago. Oh. Could be 6-0. Wasden behind the net, fans on the pass attempt, and onto the stick of Nielsen. But kept in by Hamilton, who sends it right out of play. <laughs> Bit too much juice there on the backhand dump-in attempt. So face-off coming just outside the zone. Now Hamilton with a weak shot and an easy save for Mucha who will stop for a whistle. But if they're gonna have any hope at all to get in this game, they're just gonna have to start firing pucks from everywhere. Well, we're already five minutes in here and uh, Still, no goals for the Thunderbirds. 20 shots on goal, all of them stopped by Mucha so far. Bartow now wheeling back for Nickel in his own zone. Nickel dumps it off for Bartow and now to Nielsen. Nielsen with some speed but can't get by McGurk. And into the corner is Wasden. UBC though, still having trouble clearing the zone. And uh, goes off Pajak's skate, now under the stick of Nielsen, and still not out. Puck bouncing all over the place. Finally, McGurk gets it over to Schmidt. 
And across to center. A little scrambly right now. Nickel tries to backhand it there. Checked again by McGurk. Now in comes Ben Schmidt. Defenseman stepping up here. Puck dribbles its way just to the left of uh, Mucha's goal, and he'll pounce on it for another stoppage. Good heads-up play by McGurk earlier, though, with that fella coming down on him. Just looked him in the face and took him off the puck instead of looking for the puck. And he's going to be counted on to do more heavy minutes in upcoming seasons here for the UBC Thunderbirds, who lose two of their key defensemen. And a quick shot there, and a good save by White. Coming back the other way was Moropoulos. White coming out again and uh, taking that angle away. Nice shoulder save. Face-off just to his left. He has been very solid tonight. Can't really blame him on any of the three goals, no. one of them including a power play goal, the other on a breakaway. Here they come again. Alberta coming back the other way with numbers. Pass attempt there intended for McAngus, and uh, luckily for Gordachuk, finds its way onto his stick instead. Cross-ice pass intended for Campos, finally gets it after it bounces off the boards, dumps it in, but instead it's onto the stick of Craig. Craig now back to Moropoulos, and he falls <laughs> as he tries to get the uh, pass back. No birds in the vicinity, though, One of those so no oops. harm. Yeah. Now it comes Nielsen, who backhands it deep, and he'll go off for a change. Seven minutes into the third, still 3-0 Alberta. And play is whistled down, a hand pass. Face off in the neutral zone, just outside of the bear uh, zone. I've also been impressed with White's uh, puck handling skills. More his than once he's uh, got the puck up around the boards using his own stick. Play resuming now. UBC battling for the puck in the deep in Alberta zone, but it squirts out to Colin Joe. He halts behind his net. Birds back off to the blue line, and now Joe leading a rush out of his own zone. Top line out once again. Ryan, saucer pass, cross ice to Clausen. Clausen now. Wheeling behind the UBC net, back out, and a quick shot there by Ficho is deflected wide. Wraparound attempt by Ryan is stopped, puck loose in front, cleared out to the corner by the Thunderbirds. Ingles there for the puck. Now it's loose out onto the other side. Fico puts it in. Pepe had lost his stick. He's able to retrieve it now. Ryan tries to pass it out. Fico getting it at the point. Fico sending into the corner for Clausen, poked away by Pepe. Somehow it finds its way on the stick of Ryan. Ryan with a shot. It's blocked in front into the near corner. Joe now back to Ryan. Looks like a power play for the Bears. Clausen out the in birds. front, and a weak shot goes wide by Fico, and it's cleared to the point. Joe keeping it in. Pepe can't get it out. Ryan cross ice for Fico. Winds up and a good block there by Kimber. But Fico still controlling. Wheeling around behind the net. Sends it in front. Now to Clausen. Clausen gets it over to Fico. Fico now into the corner for Clausen. He cycles it back to Fico. Fans on the shot from the point, but Clausen still picks it up again. Clausen leaves it there for Ryan. Ryan for Clausen in front, looking for the tip, but goes right to Jordan White. What a White. beautiful play. But wow. It's like you said, Jeff. It was like a power play. 
they were in there for a, a good it must minute. Have, it must have been a good minute, and they had the puck on a string. Face-off to White's left, and good on him to just halt the play. The he Birds are going to raise the white well. flag there. Yeah. <laughs> and now the puck goes into the UBC bench for another whistle. 34 shots on goal now for the Bears. White making some excellent saves. Going post to post on the wraparound to make a save. UBC wins the draw all the way back to their own corner, so McGurk can't clear it out. Now for Schmidt. Schmidt now gets it up for Maglio. Maglio out for Deloge. Deloge, cross ice pass, looking there for Sonny, but it's too hard. He can't handle it. Daly now in his own corner for Bartow. Now under the stick of Deloge. Mark Deloge back to Mike McGurk in front. Sonny for the tip, but a good save there by Mucha. It comes loose, and UBC trying to keep it in. McGurk battling for it. Comes outside, though, and UBC will have to retreat. Backhand dump in by Deloge. UBC making a change. Good hit there by Sonny on Langenmulder. Or Lindemulder, make that, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a combination of Langenbrunner and Lindemulder. There you go. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing the play-by-play -play with all these names. <laughs> I would have probably called one of them Kirby Puckett or something. <laughs> you managed to fit it in there, I'm impressed. I, I did it. <laughs> Alex, you owe me a coffee, if you're listening. <laughs> How you fit a Minnesota twin slugger <laughs> into a hockey game, I don't know. Some but anyway. Some listeners wouldn't even know who Kirby <laughs> Puckett was. He'd be a good guy to park in front of the net. <laughs> Back in action now here at the Doug Mitchell Winter Sports Center. Uh, past the halfway point of this third period. And it is the uh, UBC Thunderbirds still trailing 3-0. The Alberta Golden Bears. Less than half a period now. Fransu at center. Cross ice there for Nicola. Shot goes well wide. Make it ring rose. Now it's dumped back. And we're going to move away from UBC hockey now as we get ready for UBC men's basketball. The Thunderbirds and the Bisons finally ready at War Memorial Gymnasium. They had to basically reconfigure the court after the Canada West Final Four game that went to five sets, the championship between UBC and Trinity Western, and then, of course, the medal ceremonies afterwards. But uh, we're starting about 45 minutes late. Normally, we're probably approaching halftime, but we are almost ready for game two of the Canada West quarterfinal between UBC and Manitoba. The Thunderbirds looking, of course, to clinch the first-round win. Manitoba hoping to keep their season alive and force a game three tomorrow. That would be Sunday afternoon at War Memorial Gymnasium, but no one wants that, really, if you're a UBC fan. They're hoping to just go home tonight with a win. So we'll see what happens here. Here's Daryl Wiener, Doug Richards, live at War Memorial Gymnasium with Game 2 of UBC Manitoba. Uh, thank you very much, Wilson. Yeah, Wilson, uh, we talked about it last night. I got the Oscars to watch tomorrow. I got a family dinner. My mom's got the turkey going and everything. Doug, I don't want to come back. Go Inception. Okay, well, it's halftime at uh, the War Memorial Gym because the volleyball went long. They just decided to cut this to a 20-minute uh, 
game here. So the UBC Thunderbirds and uh, Manitoba Bison's gonna be facing off with a, uh, yeah, an abbreviated contest here. <laughs> uh, uh, give us the starting lineups for the respective teams. Okay, for the uh, Bisons, we've got on the court um, uh, Garcia and, um, and Oliver in the backcourt there. Reimer up front along with uh, O'Mara and uh, Sean Maxwell, the ex-UBC uh, player. We'll get you to the Thunderbird lineup in a moment. Kamar Burke won the tip, but it went to Garcia of the Bisons. All right, it's going to be O'Mara with the top of the circle. He was pretty good last night. Garcia has it outside left. Josh White on him there for UBC. Garcia's going to post up Reimer. Has a size advantage over Josh in the paint. Turnaround bank is off the mark. Little strong. Douglas Plum with the rebound for UBC. Doug looking to push it. Leaves it for Kamar Burke. Big shot good. UBC on the board. Yeah, Kamar Burke getting his first shot to drop, and that's great because he had trouble filling the basket last night. Garcia drives all the way, has it knocked out of bounds for the Bisons. UBC will have it out of bounds. Nine, or Manitoba will have it out of bounds, excuse me. There we go. Thunderbirds inbound it now. Excuse me, Manitoba inbounds it now. Outside right, Maxwell, three ball for the Bisons is off the mark. Kamar Burke hauls in the rebound for UBC. He's going to bring it up the floor. Thunderbirds lead two to nothing. Kamar looking to drive. Another bank. That's off the mark. Malice with a tip. No good. Got it back. Has it knocked away. But he regained it, and UBC gets the reset. 18 on the shot clock for the Thunderbirds. Here's Joshua White outside right. Takes it top of the circle now. Murphy into the paint. Malish bank. Easy lay-in for Brett Malish. 4 nothing. UBC leads Manitoba. 8.50 to go first quarter. Very patient offense by the Thunderbirds there. They worked it around until they found someone open. That was Brent Malish with a, a little uh, lob into the paint, and he finished it. O'Mara drives, kicks it out. Oliver, top of the circle, takes it in the middle, kicks it out. Maxwell, three right side, is short. Alex Murphy rips it from his own teammate, Douglas Plum. Give Murphy the rebound. Alex is going to slow it down. Malish thought about the three. Here's Doug Plum driving down the pipe, lost the handle, but it's sitting on the floor, and he's able to pick it up again. 4-0 UBC. They seem to be controlling this game early. We have a whistle under the basket. Will be a foul on the Bisons. Question so, tonight is uh, what? Uh, just how much do the Bisons have after uh, last night's contest? Because uh, it, was a, it was a pretty uh, intense affair for both sides. Uh, UBC and the Bisons really going at it. Here's Alex Murphy for the T-Birds. Malish outside left. Douglas Plump, five on the shot clock. Doug gonna drive. Murphy right side, three ball off the mark. Reimer with the rebound for Manitoba. UBC of course blew them out last night. They need to win tonight to knock this series out of the park. Maxwell has it underneath. Layup is good. O'Mara with the nice setup for the Bisons. 4-2 UBC in front, 7.45 to go. Yeah, not really good rotation on the defense there by the Thunderbirds as uh, Maxwell came in all alone right side. Malish's kick out is picked up by Oliver and he's gonna bring it up the floor for Manitoba. Garcia, three left side. That's strong, O'Mara with the rebound. Bisons get a reset. Long rebound there, luckily dropping into O'Mara's hands. So the Bisons have another crack at the basket. Garcia with it, here's Sean Maxwell again. Spin move, shot at the free throw line is an air ball. Oliver saves it, Reimer has it for the Bisons. Maxwell for three now, in and out. Malice with the rebound for UBC. A lot of second, third chance opportunities for Manitoba. 
Douglas Plum, long jumper left side, did a nice little between the dribble to set that one up, but his shot is off the mark. Here's Garcia for Manitoba. Has it outside rack, Maxwell, and O'Mara just inside half court. Both teams going up and down the court pretty fast. Maxwell has it, outside left. Oliver, three ball, is good. And Manitoba has taken a lead in the ball game, five to four. 6.32 to go in the first quarter. UBC's offense has gone cold right now. Left corner is Joshua White. Josh, backing in, spin move, drives, puts up a tough layup, blocked. Got it back, but he's out of bounds, and Manitoba will take over on offense. Yeah, Manitoba doing a pretty good job of uh, cutting off uh, Josh White's attack at the basket there. O'Mara pinning him against the baseline and uh, causing him to lose the ball out of bounds. Couple subs into the game, Nate Yu and Graham Bath. Check in for UBC. Huertes, who was the top player last night for Manitoba, Doug, also into the game. Huertes has it right side. Bank shot is good. Pretty much picking up where he left off last night. Uh, a good runner off the glass. Here's Graham Bath for UBC. Douglas Plum now, top of the circle. Alex Murphy. Brent Malish over to Murphy, outside left. Into the paint, Graham Bath, shot, no good. And Oliver with the rebound, UBC's offense, I don't think they've scored in the last three and a half minutes. 7-4, Manitoba in front, they've got the ball. 5.37 to go here in the first quarter. Bison's doing a good job defensively. And Douglas Plum has a steal for UBC. He's gonna drive all the way, layup, good. Great job by Doug Plum, stepped in front of the pass, took it coast to coast. Garcia, open left side, three ball is good. Can't give him that, his first points of the game. Timeout UBC, 5.18 to go first quarter. Manitoba leads in the game, 10 to six. Manitoba just beating UBC down the court that time. Uh, they got Garcia isolated in the near corner and he nailed the three. They're up 10-6, as you said. Four-point lead for, uh, for Manitoba. A couple things right now, Doug. Three things, actually. Um, UBC, of course, there was a wonderful women's volleyball conference championship before this one got going. UBC beating Trinity Western in, three, in five sets. It was really awesome uh, women's volleyball before this one. So this game started 45 minutes late. The other one, it's snowing out there right now. AKA, there's not a lot of people in the stands, not even close to last night. And another one we should note, Alex Murphy tonight playing with food poisoning. Doug, I told, let's just say he had to take a couple gravel today. So thanks, you know, UBC maybe getting thrown a little loop here. Maybe the, the late start time and the, the snow, therefore the not big crowd here tonight, maybe. What you're saying is that Manitoba is feeling sort of more at home with the snow <laughs> and the cold, and also the fact that their backup is against the wall, it's do or die. Yeah, I think they're gonna come out with some fire. Graham Bath, right pay, kicks it out to Alex Murphy. Food poisoning it all, he knocks down the three. I think he's trying to give food poisoning to Manitoba. Lovely shot there, nine points for the Birds. They're down by one. Reimer with it for the Bisons. Here's Oliver, top of the circle against Douglas Plum. Into the paint, Reimer, top of the key, outside right, Huertes. He's been excellent all weekend long. Huertes still has it. Wild shot right side, hits the side of the backboard. Nate you the other way for UBC. Looking to drive, running layup. Oh, doesn't get the roll. But Nate you will go to the free throw line for UBC. 
Manitoba defender leaning on him. That's why the basket didn't go. So he's at the free throw line. Picking up the foul is uh, O'Mara. That's his first personal. Not many fouls called uh, in this game so far. And as a matter of fact, that's the first. Nate at the line, strong with the first. He was not happy. I saw him before the game, Doug. Not happy with his play last night. Nate sets, fires away. Gets that to go. 10-10 the score. UBC and Manitoba were locked up. 4.35 to go first quarter. Got to say, good start for the Bisons. Right paint. Reimer, kick out. O'Mara into traffic. Left side. Garcia, three ball. Excuse me, that was Huertes with a three ball. He gets it to go. Give him five points. Manitoba gets the lead back, 13-10. Alex Murphy answers with a layup for UBC. They trail 13-12, 4-10 to go first quarter. Little globe putter dribbling by uh, Alex Murphy. Reimer has it outside right. Grandbath all over him there for UBC. Reimer able to pass it off to Huertes right side, and we have a blocking foul on Nathan Yu, I believe it will be of UBC. It's actually gonna be on Grandbath, first team foul on the Thunderbirds. Will be Bison Ball. They lead 13-12, exactly four minutes to go in the first quarter. Good start for Manitoba tonight. Yeah, like I say, back up against the wall for uh, for Manitoba. They've got to uh, really come up with uh, an outstanding performance this evening. Garcia inbounds it. Bisons have 13 on the shot clock now. Here's O'Mara. Has it right in front of the UBC bench. Still has it. Makes a move. Takes a jump shot, right side, off the mark. Melvin Mann into the game with the rebound for UBC. Here's Lo Alex, yep. Yeah, lots of subs for the Thunderbirds. They're trying to keep the players on the court fresh. Malish, up to Murphy. We have a whistle underneath. Draward, who has recently checked into the ball game for Manitoba. He'll be checking, picking up a foul as he was battling Graham Bath in the left paint. Looks like both teams are trying to uh, get some subs in and keep everybody fresh. Melvin Mayotte has the inbound. Over to Malish, right side. Nate Yu, long two is good. Give Nate Yu three first quarter points. Thunderbirds have the lead now, 14-13. Yeah, Nate uh, outside the arc there had to step back but couldn't get back far enough. Toe still on the line, so it was only a deuce. UBC draws the steal. Bath, outlet to Nate Yu. All the way, layup gets the roll. Great play by the Thunderbirds. Just a uh, classic fast break as they got the uh, ball out to Nate Yu, streaking down the far side of the court. Nice play there, underhand layup for Yu. Didn't play well last night, off to a good start this evening. O'Mara, look at a drive down the middle. Outside right, Huertes, Garcia for three. Short, rebound goes to Maxwell and Manitoba resets. Garcia drives, hard blocked by Grant Bath, but he's fouled. And Eric Garcia will go to the free throw line for UBC, but he, he took a foul there, Doug. He deserves free throws for Gar that drive. Garcia was airborne as he went up there, and uh, you know, Nate Yu just stuck his hand in there, got a hold of the ball, and Garcia didn't let it go, and consequently, Garcia came crashing to the ground. Garcia at the free throw line. Or the hardwood in this case. First one is good. Give him four first quarter points. Manitoba looking pretty good tonight so far, Doug. They got off to a bad start really for the first minute and a half, but they've been right there ever since. Garcia goes two for two at the charity stripe. 16-15 UBC in front by only one here. 2.40 to go in the first quarter. Joshua White with it. 
Here's Nate Yu in front of the Bison bench on the outside. Nate takes it to the top of the middle, drives. Mayak, three right side. In and out, Maxwell with the rebound for the Bison. Can't get much closer than that to, uh, to getting it down. Garcia all the way, wild layup, no good, but he will draw the foul. Eric Garcia back to the charity stripe. He almost caught that one, Doug. That was a tough swooping left-hand lay-in. Just didn't get the roll, but Eric Garcia back to the charity stripe for Manitoba. Foul was on Melvin Mayotte, his first. Yeah, a lot of pinball action going on there as uh, Garcia bumped around uh, by the uh, Thunderbird uh, defense. That's Garcia hits the first free throw. That's the third team foul on UBC. They got one to give here in the first quarter, 2.22 to go. Manitoba still has two to give. So pretty clean first 10 minutes of the game so far. 17-16, Manitoba in front, 2.15 to go in the first quarter. UBC turns it over. Huertes open court, here's O'Mara outside left. Gonna drive, jumper left side, off the mark. Nate Yu, easy rebound for UBC. Melvin Mayotte now outside right. Oh, bad pass in the paint to Tommy Nixon and Sean Maxwell easily picked that one off for Manitoba. Yeah, telegraphed as Tommy Nixon was uh, just cut right off. Maxwell has it outside right now. Taking it in the paint. Kicks it out to Drawward. O'Mara has to save it just before it went over and back. Four on the shot clock. O'Mara now. Outside right. Going to drive. Over to Drawward at the buzzer. The shot clock was just a little strong with it. Josh White with the rebound for UBC. Nate U right side. Oh, Drawward had a glorious chance there. Just couldn't put it home. 17-16 Manitoba in front, minute 20 to go first quarter. Nixon pass to Josh and the foul in the paint. And Josh White will go to the free throw line to complete the three-point play. Pinpoint passing for the Thunderbirds as uh, Josh White got it one bounce inside the paint, went straight up and dropped it in. Josh White, Doug, tied. I was surprised. I, I went through my notes after the game. He tied his career high last night with 29 points. Josh gets the free throw. He's never scored 30 in a CIS game. That doesn't surprise you? Um, not, uh, not really, no. <laughs> and I'll explain later. Okay, Huertes driving, big shot for the Bisons off the mark. Josh with the rebound. UBC in front, 19-17. Josh all the way, layup, no good, but he's fouled. Free throws coming up for Josh White. The reason I'm not surprised is because uh, Josh White, the last few years, has been playing on some very strong Thunderbird squads that have won big, and he hasn't had to play as many minutes as uh, uh, as you would, uh, as another player might have to to keep his team in the in the closer games. And uh, you know, he's got a lot of people out here that he can distribute the ball to, and they're a, a very balanced uh, offense. So that's why I am not surprised that Josh White hasn't scored 30 points in his career. Josh, one for two at the line. Minute to go now in the first quarter. UBC leading 20 to 17. And the other thing with Josh White, Doug, he's a guy who, when UBC really gets the game out of reach or they get it in control, he stops scoring. He lets other guys get you know, the a very unselfish player. You know, he distributes the ball well. Uh, he's a good passer. He's a good defender uh, as well. So, uh, you know, Josh White, uh, uh, an all-around player. UBC knocked the ball out of bounds. Manitoba has it, 14 on the shot clock. Here's O'Mara, 10 on the shot clock inside half court. 
Has that outside left, stopped his dribble there. Turning around, trying to pass it off. Finds his open, a big block by Kamar Burke! White the other way, he blocked Miller. Oh, that was big time. Right corner, you for three. You got it, Nate! Thunderbirds starting to pull away. They're up by six points as the uh, quarter is drawing to a close. Heck of a block by Kamar Burke. Under the basket now, O'Mara kicks it out. Oliver for three left side, off the mark. And it's sitting on the floor. Josh White with the rebound for UBC. Eight seconds left in the first quarter. Josh, left side, Mayotte, three ball. You got it, Melvin Mayotte. Back-to-back -back threes by the Thunderbirds. Heave by O'Mara, no good after the first quarter. UBC, it was really close there for a while. But right at the end, the Thunderbirds go on a little spurt, Doug. They lead after one, 26-17. Really set up Melvin Mayotte with a big block on Miller. Nate Yu hits the three right corner. They get a stop. Melvin Mayotte hits a three left corner. Yeah, darn good shooting by the Thunderbirds tonight. They seem to have their outside game going. And if they've got their outside game going, that means it's going to be a lot easier for them to uh, pick up points inside the paint. Uh, once again, this is the second game of a best two out of three series. UBC won last night by an extremely large margin. I think it was 30 points in yesterday's evening. But a game, Doug, where I talked to the UBC players, some of them before the game tonight, and members of the coaching staff, and really the grade I got from last night's UBC win, not very good, and a coach's grade I got was C-minus for their play yesterday. And I, I think we thought about the same way. Well, yeah, the Thunderbirds did have their troubles last night. Uh, I give credit to uh, Manitoba because uh, they came out after a, you know, a long trip out from the Prairies and uh, you know played pretty much a heck of a ball game last night. And UBC, of course, if they win this one, will host the Canada West Final Four next weekend. Uh, scores I have updated, Doug. Alberta knocked off Victoria today. They will be somewhere next week for the Canada West Championship. They, they will be either here or... Uh... Actually, they still officially, on my last count, have a chance to host because UBC, Trinity, and Sask have won. So if all upsets occur, they will host. But my last check was with two minutes to go in Langley, and this is a while ago, this is before our UBC game started, it was Trinity Western leading Fraser Valley by 10. So it looks like Trinity and Alberta locking it up tonight. And for all I know, Saskatchewan might have won it now too, so. Well, you know, Trinity had a 14 point lead late in that uh, first game. Yeah. You know how that turned out. <laughs> Second quarter underway. Here's Josh White for UBC. Tommy Nixon, top of the circle now. Here's Josh. Kamar Burke, right side, three ball. In and out, Melvin Mayo with the rebound, put back, and the foul! Great uh, crashing of the boards by Melvin Mayotte there as he got great position, got in there, got the uh, rebound, and put it home. Uh, first quarter stats, Doug, pretty clean quarter. UBC, quite frankly, just out shooting Manitoba. Well, 625 to 26% uh, uh, <laughs> field goal percentage. I'd say that's out shooting. That's more than uh, 50, that's more than double. Alley-oop for the Bisons, ball goes out of bounds. It was Huertes trying to hit O'Mara, UBC takes over. Melvin Mayotte was unable to complete the three-point play at the other end for UBC. 28-17, Thunderbirds in front, 9.27 to go, first half. 
looking to put this best two out of three away tonight with a two nothing series sweep. Melvin Mayotte, top of the circle for UBC. Right side, outside, Tommy Nixon, long two, off the mark. Ball is tipped, we have a foul on UBC. Will be Bison ball going the other way. UBC with a win tonight, Doug, in the Kevin Hansen era. This will be their 10th straight series win. Great coaching, uh, great effort uh, to bring in uh, talented players. Uh, Thunderbirds doing uh, very, very well. Reimer, right paint, left side. Garcia, three ball for the Bisons. That's strong, tip no good. Reimer gets it back, his putback is good. Manitoba cuts the UBC lead to 28-19. Melvin Mayotte driving for the Thunderbirds. He's fouled going up for the shot. Back to the free throw line is Melvin Mayotte, who's pretty active early on in this ball game, Doug. Yeah, Melvin Mayotte, uh, you know, coming in, putting in some great minutes for the Thunderbirds, attacking the basket, uh, undercut by Garcia, who picks up his uh, first foul, and he's at the line. Mayotte hits the first. 29-19, UBC in front now, 8.52 to go in the first half. Melvin Mayotte, give him seven points in the ball game. Thunderbirds looking to put this one away early as they're up by 11. Timeout, Manitoba, UBC leads as Mayotte goes two for two at the line, 30-19. to 19. Uh, You know, but Daryl, um, you know, how, how much energy, how much uh, do you think this Manitoba Bison team has left? after last night's game, because I thought they gave it a great effort. No, and you know what, Doug, early on in this one, I'll give Manitoba credit. This is their first playoff series since 2004. They haven't won one since 2001. And early on in this one, I mean, everybody's expecting Manitoba to get blown out tonight. Early on in this contest, they get behind 4-0 early, and they fight back, they take the lead. One thing you gotta say about this Bison team, even last night, when they were down by 25 points late in the contest, they were still fighting. You do, Doug. I think we both have. We have to give them credit for effort this weekend. They are losing their two two of their leading scorers, Garcia and Maxwell, next year. But this Huertes, he's got five tonight in the first half. He was by far their leading scorer in last night's ball game. Uh, this is a Bison team that, you know, I'm not going to say they're going to be a contender in the future, but they look like definitely an improved basketball team from what we've seen in the past. Well, I think they are, and, uh, you know, second-year coach uh, Kirby Shep, I think, has done uh, an excellent uh, job preparing his team for the Thunderbirds. Driving left side is Garcia. Maxwell for three is good. Sean Maxwell, give him five points for the Bisons. They trail now 30-22. to 22. UBC has it, 8.30 to go. That being said, Doug, Manitoba we compare him to the upper echelon of this conference, still has a long way to go. Doug Plum has it, top of the circle, outside right, Melvin Mayotte, jumper for UBC. Melvin Mayotte having a first half. That shot goes down, give him nine points. UBC back in front by 10 now, 32-22. UBC with so many weapons. Melvin Mayotte tonight uh, uh, just finding the uh, opportunities and, uh, and taking advantage. Kamar Burke almost with a steal for UBC. Richard, it's Oliver has it, being trapped by Mouse. Nice pass to Huertes. Bank shot, no good. Not, they're gonna call a charge. Kamar Burke took it for UBC. 
great defensive player, Kamar Burke, uh, probably one of the people who is uh, uh, a very uh, strong candidate for uh, one of the defensive uh, uh, players of the year. And that for uh, Huertas is his third personal foul, very quickly putting himself in deep foul trouble. Joshua White's gonna bring it up the floor for UBC. He's got four points here in the first half. Playoff career high 29 last night, tied his career high with that number. Josh looking to drive left side. Mayotte, he's feeling it. Three left side, short. Doug Plum with the rebound, put back, good. That is just outstanding effort by Doug Plum. He was sandwiched between two Bisons, and you know how painful that can be. Uh, but he just went up sky, got the ball, and put it back. I actually don't know how painful that could be. All of our drives left side are big. You, you've seen those in the cowboy movies with the with yeah. the big ones thundering across the plane I, there. I've never been sandwiched by two bisons. I don't know. Okay. I just don't know. Maybe it's like pillows. I somehow doubt that. <laughs> Inbound for Manitoba. Reimers fouled going up for the shot. There was a UBC player called for a foul. Before that, Britt Malish. I'm a up color commentator. I'm supposed to be <laughs> embellishing things a little bit. But you got to admit that was a great, strong effort by Doug Plum uh, to get that rebound and go straight up in traffic and get that ball to, to drop. Reimer at the free throw line for Manitoba. First one goes down. Well, I will say this, Doug, is Doug Plum gave us three high fives each before the game. Actually, well, those weren't high fives. Those were just hand slaps. My hand, I still feel it. I still feel it. Reimer in and out with the second. UBC has it. Oliver knocks it out of bounds for the Bisons. UBC will maintain possession. They're still bringing the ball to the floor. Ball out of bounds. UBC inbound coming up. 34-23, UBC up. 7.19 to go in the first half. This does not have, for me, that playoff intensity. For me. Doug Plum driving, bank shot, and the foul. Doug Plum to the line to complete the three-point play. I'm almost too relaxed for a playoff game right now. Well, and, and I think it's because the Thunderbirds have sort of come out here and done such a workmanlike job of uh, getting the, uh, uh, the points on the board. Reimer picking up his second personal foul, and uh, he's put himself in a little bit of foul trouble for uh, the Bisons. Doug Plum at the line completes the three-point play. Give him a very solid seven points here in the first half. Thunderbirds now with their biggest lead, 37-23, 14 points, seven minutes to go in the half. Here's Garcia for the Bisons. Their leading scorer in the regular season. Outside left, O'Mara now. Potential Canada West Rookie of the Year. Garcia driving, left-hand layup, and the foul! Eric Garcia has impressed us this weekend. Give him nine first-half points. He'll be looking for 10 as they'll go to the line to complete the three-point play. Great dribbling skills just went right around the UBC defense, uh, picked up uh, the, uh, the basket there. Uh, Brent Malish picking up the foul, his second. Malish staying in the game. Garcia misses the free throw. Alex Murphy has it for UBC. Doug Plum outside left, into the paint. Tommy Nixon, big shot, good. Tommy Nixon, two points here in the ball game. UBC in front, 39-25, 14-point lead. Garcia has it, outside right. Sean Maxwell, bank shot short. Douglas Plum with the rebound for UBC. Outlets to Josh White. Josh, look at a drive, layup, good. 
Just outstanding play by the Thunderbirds. Uh, you know, they rebound the ball quickly. They know where their uh, teammates are. They get the ball up to Josh White. He swoops past our broadcast location, uh, makes a beeline for the hoop, uh, and uh, nails another two points. And the Thunderbirds, 41-25. Uh, they're looking to maybe uh, match their 62-point uh, per performance of uh, last night. Timeout, Manitoba, 6.22 to go first half. UBC in front, as you said, Doug, 41-25. Just going to quickly run down the scores as uh, the two teams uh, talk it over in their huddles. For the Thunderbirds, some pretty balanced scoring so far. Uh, Melvin Mia leading the way with nine points. Uh, uh, Nathan Yu has eight, seven for Doug Plum and uh, five for Alex Murphy. On the other side, uh, the high scorer is Garcia uh, with nine points, Maxwell with five, and uh, Oliver and Reimer uh, with uh, three points apiece. Well, Doug, we have finals in all the other Canada West games, and we have series finals in those clinching spots next weekend. It's what we expected. Grant, I would have liked to have seen Victoria here. In a UBC still has to win their series tonight, obviously, but Saskatchewan, they've knocked off Regina. Trinity Western has knocked off Fraser Valley. And Alberta knocks off Victoria. So, so far, the top four, the favorites, have won every series. Kamar Burke with a steal for UBC, leaves it for Josh White, foul! And he'll go to the line. He does not get the roll on the three-point play. Sorry, folks, it was an Alberta inbound under their basket. An amazing steal by Kamar Burke there, Doug. Sets up Josh White. Well, Josh actually, back it was a line. Manitoba, not an Alberta inbound, but you, <laughs> I, you, you can Excuse be forgiven. Me. Yeah, thank you. You can be forgiven. Thank you. I, I'm already prepping for the Alberta UBC game next week. Josh at the line, first free throw, good. Was that rude to say? Josh, Kamar Burke, you know, just went sky high to to knock that ball down and then uh, you know bring it back up against the hoop and then a uh, great pass to Josh White. There's a foul on UBC. Maybe Manitoba can pull this one off tonight, but they have a ways to go. Josh hits both free throws. 43-25 UBC in front by 18. 6:05 to go in the half. Out, Josh White picks up the foul in the open court. His second personal. UBC in the penalty, both teams in the penalty. Oliver to the line for the Bisons, strong on the first free throw. So 6.05 to go in the first half, Doug, both teams in the penalty. So expect a lot of free throws here for the rest of this quarter. Oliver sets, fires, misses both. Kamar Burke with the rebound for UBC. A chance to open up a 20 plus point lead right here. Doug Plum has it outside right. Leaves it for Kamar, driving back to Doug. Three-point for Doug Plum! Off to the right, Oliver with the rebound for the Bison. And Oliver brings it up the floor. He gets tripped up a little bit. It's either Josh White or Kamar Burke picking up the foul. It's gonna be Kamar Burke, his first personal. And Oliver back to the free throw line for Manitoba. UBC up by 18, 43-25. Oliver at the line uh, with a chance to alter that. First free throw by Oliver is good. So Doug, we obviously can't get excited just yet, although it's looking great for UBC to be playing in the games next weekend, but maybe if UBC's got the blow, we'll start previewing that series in the second half. I, I should shut up. Oliver misses the second free throw. Thunderbirds have it up 43-26, 5.40 to go in the have half. Have some respect for the Bisons. It's true. Alex Murphy. 
Melvin Mayot, right corner. Doug Plum has it. Doug into traffic now. Kicks it out. Tommy Nixon, two on the shot clock. Three ball is good! Tommy Nixon knocks down the three. UBC with a 20-point lead, 46-26. Reimer fouled hard by Doug Plum as he was going up for a lay-in. And Richard Reimer to the free throw line for Manitoba. Doug Plum not letting him have that easy two points. And I think that's why he was practicing the hand slaps with us <laughs> uh, before the game because that's exactly what uh, he did there. He came down right across Reimer's uh, hands there, uh, not allowing him to get the ball up in the air even near a shot. Reimer, first free throw is good. Reimer looking to make it an 18-point UBC lead with this one. Yeah, bounce on the hoop about three times, doesn't get the roll. Doug Plum with the rebound. Doug looking to push it, going all the way, layup strong. Kamar Burke with a putback, no good, but he's fouled. And Kamar Burke <laughs> had a couple foul shots for the Thunderbirds. 5-12 to go in the first half. UBC well in front right now, 46-27 in a game that's becoming a bit of a foul fest. Kamar at the free throw line, strong with the first. Burke with just two points in the ball game so far. Hit that first one, a, a nice little runner off the glass, and then has been cold since. Leading scores for UBC. He's an excellent player, Doug, but we don't have him as the leading scorer a lot on this Thunderbird team. Melvin Mayotte with nine. Kamar Burke. Looking to get the lead back to 20. Strong, missed both free throws. Reimer with the rebound for the Bisons. 5.08 to go, it's been a slow moving second quarter. Hopefully we will get out of here tonight. I'm saying that with the late start time. Shaw Maxwell has it top of the circle, leaves it for Oliver. Takes it outside left, he's tripped by Melvin Mayotte. And Oliver to the line for Manitoba. Looking for a little flow, Doug. Just a little flow right now. Mayotte there uh, guarding against uh, Oliver, uh, you know, just couldn't move his feet fast enough and uh, ended up uh, committing the foul, his second personal. Oliver at the line gets the first to go. See if Manitoba can get back into this one. Free throw is no good, but we have a whistle underneath Sean Maxwell for Manitoba was fouled going up for that rebound and he'll go to the line for the Bisons. I think it's gonna be Kamar Burke picking up the foul. That's, uh, no, it, Tommy Nixon picked up the foul. Thought it was Burke. Lucky it wasn't Burke. Maxwell off to the right on the first one. <laughs> Yawn. Maxwell one for two at the line, 46-29. Manitoba trailing UBC. Thunderbirds have it, 4.52 to go in the first half. See if we can get two possessions in a row without a foul right now. Here's Alex Murphy for the Birds, drives, leaves it for Doug Plum. Tommy Nixon has it, kicks it out. Alex Murphy lost the handle briefly, but he got it back. Driving left side, leaves it for Doug Plum. Hard to the hoop, no foul called. Tommy Nixon gets it back. You, three left side, good! Thunderbirds using all of the shot clock on that as the ball was just bouncing around all over the place uh, from Thunderbird to Thunderbird. Uh, finally, Nathan uh, from the outside drains it. He's got the first uh, double-digit score in this game for the Birds. They actually, ten. they actually called that a two-pointer. Garcia, three for Manitoba. 
This guy's got 12 points in the first half. Eric Garcia, 48-32. UBC with the ball in front by 16. 4-14 to go first half. Here's Alex Murphy, right corner. Nate U for the Thunderbirds. Three ball for Nate. Off to the right. Rebound goes to Huertes of the Bisons, playing with the three personal fouls. Huertes has it outside left. Here's Oliver. Left side, Garcia looking to drive. Big shot, good, and the foul. Eric Garcia having an excellent first half for the Manitoba Bison. He'll go to the line to complete the three-point play. Garcia with 12, uh, chance to increase that to 13 if he uh, nails the uh, the free throw attempt. Timeout UBC, 3.56 to go in the first half. Thunderbirds leading the ball game, 48-34. So Doug, three teams have made it to the Canada West Final Four. Manitoba, I'm Alberta, I hope I'm not saying Manitoba by the end of this weekend. Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Trinity Western. Trinity Western, Doug, loses the first game to Fraser Valley. They blow the 14-point lead late in the game. Fraser Valley ends on a 15-0 run, but Trinity comes back, wins the series. Yeah, Trinity Western uh, expected to be there because they've had a, a, a great season so far. Uh, the only blip in that season really has been the uh, series against the Thunderbirds, uh, second one of the 2010-2011 uh, uh, season where the Thunderbirds uh, just ripped them completely ripped them, went through them like a tidal wave. Yeah, Trinity Western, great year, Doug, but when you take their record against UBC and Saskatchewan, one and three. And, you know, they're gonna be having to play, most likely. Saskatchewan? Yeah, what a game that'll be if that's what That'll be an outstanding game. Looking forward yeah. to uh, to watching that one. Watch the two games against Trinity Western and Saskatchewan on the net. And uh, those were quite entertaining. Garcia knocks down the three-point play. Manitoba has something to say about UBC play next weekend. They've cut the Thunderbird lead to 13, 48-35. 3.45 to go first half. Here's Kamar Burke, has it knocked away. Alex Murphy inside half court for the Birds. Here's Murphy, shot at the free throw line is good! Seven points for the man fighting food poisoning, Alex Murphy. Garcia looking to drive. UBC in front by 15, 50 to 35. Garcia has it, top of the circle. Gonna drive, left side, kicks it out. Maxwell, three ball. Sean Maxwell is fouled taking that three and he almost got the shot, just doesn't get the roll. And Sean Maxwell will get three free throws. Tommy Nixon picking up what was not a very smart foul there for UBC, Doug. Yeah, took him out heavily as uh, Sean Maxwell uh, let go of that shot. Maxwell at the line, a little short with the first. Maxwell, off with the second. So Maxwell looking to get at least a point here out of those free, three free throws. Former Thunderbird sets fires, missed all three free throws. Paul goes out of bounds, Kamar Burke couldn't corral the rebound. And it will be Manitoba ball out of bounds. So despite Maxwell missing all three free throws, Manitoba will get another crack at it. Well, if Manitoba is going to do anything in this game, they're going to have to hit those free throws. Reimer has it left side. Over to Maxwell, who is fouled in the paint by Kamar Burke. And Sean Maxwell will go back to the line for two. He's getting five free throws on this possession. Still looking to hit his first one. 
Fouls on Kamar Burke. He'll go to the bench with two personal fouls. A lot of Thunderbirds, Doug, with two personals in the ball game. Maxwell at the line, does get the roll on the first there. Six T-Birds with two personal fouls here in the first half. Yeah, it's good the Thunderbirds have such a deep, talented bench. Maxwell goes two for two at the line on that try. Manitoba cuts the UBC lead to 13, 50 to 37, 313 to go in the first half. It's been a slow moving one lately. We have another whistle. Oh man. Shaw Maxwell called for a foul in the paint and UB his first and UBC's gonna get some free throws. I mean, wow. Doug, we got off to, remember early in this game, you said, oh, no fouls have been called. We have a nice pace. Well, throw that out the window. Graham Bath to the line for UBC, short on the first. You know, I was sort of thinking at the beginning of this game, they were going to try to get this one, since they started so late, they want to get this one done quick so they can, uh, you know, maybe hit some of the, the pubs and, uh, <laughs> and nightlife in Vancouver. Graham Bath 0 for 2 at the line. Garcia with the rebound. He turns it over for the Bisons as he was driving. Nathan Yu the other way for UBC. Has it right corner now. Kicks it to Alex Murphy. Top of the circle. Inbounds it to Balraj Baines, who's fouled going up to the shot. And the big fella, Balraj Baines, will go to the line for UBC. Thunderbirds, uh, you know, having some uh, a, a great deal of success, just uh, putting the ball in, uh, in a lob and getting it into uh, the big man. Uh, for uh, for shots that time, Balraj Baines uh, wasn't able to put it down, but uh, he's at the line. Uh, that for Reimer is his third personal foul, putting him and Huertas, two very important players, uh, in trouble for uh, Manitoba. Balraj misses the first free throw for UBC. Balraj misses the second free throw for UBC. Maxwell with the rebound for the Bison. So if they can go on a little bit of a spurt here. Might not be looking too bad going into the half. Here's Huertas, outside right, over to Garcia, finds his man underneath, and the basket goes through. It's Spear, who will go to the free throw line to complete the three-point play. So Manitoba cutting the lead to 11. Spear will have a chance to get it to 10. Graham Bath picking up the foul for UBC, Doug. That's his third personal. Spear does hit that free throw. 2.35 to go. It's been a very strange first half here at the Ward Gym. Thunderbirds lead 50 to 40. You'd expect with that kind of score, Doug, for this to be a fast-paced run-and-gun first half, but it's just been foul-filled. Well, UBC had at one point a 21-point lead. Nathan Yu driving to the hole for UBC. He leads all Thunderbirds with 12. UBC gets the lead back to 12, 52-40. O'Mara has it outside left, spear left paint, looking to kick it out, does it. Oliver, three ball for the Bisons. That's off the mark, but Huertes saves it, but he did just step out of bounds there on the left baseline, and it will be UBC basketball the other way. 2.08 to go first half. Great effort, but I think just a toenail on the uh, end line there to turn it over. Here's Alex Murphy for the Thunderbirds. Outside right, Douglas Plum. Murphy has it left side. Nate Yu outside left. Nate, driving, kicks it to Murph. Left side, driving. Kicks it to Tommy Nixon, seven on the shot clock. Long pass, right corner, Nate U, three short. Rebound goes to Manitoba, and a foul will be called on UBC. I think Doug Plum picked it up in traffic, and Manitoba will get free throws 
at the other end of the floor. A lot of fouls, as you see, being called in this ball game, and uh, we start to wonder if there's uh, going to be enough to enough players on the court to finish this game. Seven. Look at that. Six Thunderbirds with two fouls, one with three. Oliver at the line hits the first, hits the second, 52-42. UBC lead now 10, minute 42 to go in, what's in the first half. Nate, you under the basket. Tommy Nixon passed it for him. Ball falls on the ground, but Murphy picked it up. Shot no good, ball rush, tip no good. Goes to Douglas Plum on the rebound. His putback does get the roll. Thunderbirds with uh, three opportunities. Finally got it in on the last one there. 54-42, UBC gets the lead back to 12. Fuertes, left side, jumper, good! Jordan Fuertes with seven, UBC lead cut again to 10, 54-44. Yeah, both teams playing pretty even right now. Minute three to go, first half. Doug Plum driving to the hole. He's fouled before he gets up a shot. That's gonna be on O'Mara, his third personal. So three Bisons now have three personal fouls. Two of their starters and their six man and leading scorer last night, Huertes. Doug Plum at the line for UBC gets the free throw to go. He's in double figures now with 10 points. A minute three left in this uh, first half of action and uh, one wonders how many more fouls they can fit into that time frame. <laughs> Come on, official crew, what do you got? Doug <laughs> two for two at the line. I mean, this is ridiculous. This quarter has been ridiculous. 56-44, three for Garcia, three ball is good. And Manitoba now trails by nine points, 56-47. UBC turns it over. Garcia in the open court, stops for a three. Off the mark. That didn't work. Nate Yee with the rebound for the Thunderbirds. Ja Doug Plum, outside right. Here's Murphy, top of the circle. 32 seconds to go in the half. UBC up by nine, 56-47. 10 on the shot clock. Murphy trying to find some room. Nixon for three. Strong, but Alex Murphy with the rebound. He will bring it out and UBC can hold for the last shot. Ten on the game clock. Here's Alex. Down to six. Murphy still has it. At five. Now he takes the long jumper. That's short. Ball's picked up by Oliver at half court. There's the Hail Mary. And that will, I will say, Doug, mercifully bring us to halftime. UBC leading in the ball game 56 to 47. Yeah, a, a very... Uh, it like trying to run through a quagmire uh, the last uh, uh, you know five ten minutes of this uh, of this ball game. Lots of fouls being called. Here to talk to us, assistant coach for the UBC Thunderbirds, Vern Knopp. Uh, Vern, don't say anything, but I'll say it. that that was a a large number of fouls called there <laughs> in that second quarter. You don't have to comment, Vern, yeah, but- Yeah, I know uh, I'm not allowed to comment on certain things or I get, uh, we yeah. get fined for that. So. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just let that be, but I will go out and say that, Doug, that was one horrible quarter to watch, horrible. Well, it uh, didn't have an awful lot of flow to it, and uh, you know, the Thunderbirds really need to, you know, 
run the court and get some flow. Uh, Vern, I will say this, though, for a, a, a half that had 103 points scored in the first half, it doesn't get much more boring than that. Yeah, no, it, uh, you can tell by the uh, reaction from the crowd and uh, even the both teams' benches are pretty quiet, a lot of stoppages, um, absolutely no flow, but uh, what are you, you going to do? There's uh, nothing you know you can do about it. You just got to play through it, and uh, hopefully we can get it together in the second half and uh, have a little excitement for the fans. Uh, Vern, uh, was it a tough start for you guys tonight? You know, not the same crowd that was here last night. There is a lot of snow out there, so it's hard for people to get around. You had the late start because of the Women's Volleyball Conference Championship. Were you guys a little out of sorts at the beginning of this game? Um, you know what, actually, I don't think we were. I mean, it, yeah, it was a late start and all that, but we actually, our start wasn't that bad. Um, you know, we got up, uh, we got up 20, 21 points, and then it just seemed that uh, our guys kind of uh, took the foot off the gas pedal a little bit, and then, uh, like I said, with all the stoppages due to fouls and other stuff, that uh, it just kind of lost the flow to the game, but uh, obviously we lost our focus. Um, you know, having Josh and Josh White and Brent Malish and and uh, List goes and on guys, and on, yeah. Ha having them sit a lot. I mean, Josh only played 11 minutes, so having yeah. him sit, that's good. And Brent only playing 10, that's going to obviously affect us because they're two of our leaders. Uh, positive mark for you guys. Nate Yu, who saw him before the game, really not happy with this play in last night's ball game, did come out firing here tonight, 12 points in the first half. Yeah, that's usually the case with Nate. Uh, you know, if he has one one rough performance, which he did last night, he was the first to admit last night that he, uh, that he, was, uh, he was off and he wasn't very good. Um, so we expected, we not surprised that Nate would come out uh, playing as well as he did. And uh, same with Melvin Maid. I thought our bench, we kind of, you know, something we talked about last night was that our bench uh, got outscored. And that's one of the few things that rarely happens during the season. So for him and Melvin and uh, Tommy Nix to come off and give us some production was a positive sign. Uh, Vern, up with us. Vern, last thing, uh, Michael Dickerson's about to join us, yeah. of course, a former Vancouver Grizzly, NCAA champion with the Arizona Wildcats. What has this guy meant to your program this year? Uh, it, it's been unbelievable for us. Uh, just uh, it, with the exception of maybe the first day when the guys were kind of in awe of him. Uh, after that, uh, it's, it's just been great. He comes out. He's uh, one of the hardest workers in practice. And we're always having our guys uh, defend him one-on-one. -on -one, it's making our guys better on both ends of the floor. Awesome stuff. Burden up. Burden, okay. thanks so much for doing this. Very much appreciated. Well, uh, very rarely do we get to say this. A former uh, NBA player. Uh, with us right now, of course, won the national championship with the Arizona Wildcats. You and Mr. Mike Bibby in the backcourt there. <laughs> yes. Uh, joining us now, Michael Dickerson. Uh, Michael, Doug, very rarely do we get a former NBA player as our halftime guest, though. So. Actually, it was just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with us right now, uh, Michael Dickerson. So, uh, Mike, uh, tell us about this whole experience you're having uh, practicing with the UBC Thunderbirds this year. How's it been? For me, it's a great experience. Uh, you know, just being out here with the guys, you know, standing in shape and, uh, you know, they got good, great attitudes. You know, it's a great atmosphere. You know, it's a great environment to be in. Uh, you know, that's why, you know, it's, it's fun to come here every day. You know, the guys work hard, you know, all the way down from the coaching staff to the red shirt freshmen. You know, it's just a great atmosphere. Uh, what did you know about CIS basketball? You obviously played here with the Grizzlies. Don't know if you caught some games when you were here with them. Yeah, I caught a couple, yeah. Okay, so yeah. what did you know about CIS basketball? Well, I knew they, they play hard, you know. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the main thing you're looking for uh, in, in, the, in the league. You know, they play hard and they want to get better. That's what I'm most impressed with. The guys want to get better, you know, so that's what makes me want to be around, stick around a lot more. Uh, who are some of the guys? Uh, obviously, you know, this is a 22-2 and two team. 
number two team in the country. Uh, who are some of the guys who, if you want to just single out a few, if you can, hmm. who's impressed you in practice? Well, you know, I, I work with a lot of the red shirt freshmen. Yeah. Chad, you know, Keno, you know, French, the young guys. You yeah. know, they're impressive. You know, they work hard. Their attitude is great. You know, all the way to the starting five, you know, with Josh, you know, Doug, and, you know, you could just name them all. Yeah. Like I said, it's just a great atmosphere. You know, it makes me want to come to practice every day because the attitude is just great. You know, anytime you want to, anytime uh, a team is winning, you know, the attitude has to be there. And competition, how's it been for you with these guys? Oh, competition is good. You know, these, these, are, uh, these are young guys. You know, <laughs> I'm a little bit older now. So, you know, competition is good. And, you know, they work hard. You know, they want to get better. They're really receptive yeah. to getting better. So uh, it just, they just give me, I feel, the young energy. And it makes me want to keep going and keep giving them all I can give. Uh, one guy I do want to ask you about, Josh White. Mm -hmm. uh, CIS Player of the Year last year. Quite frankly, could have won it two years in a row now. Uh, tell us about your thoughts on this player, Josh yeah, White. Josh White, he's a really good player. You know, he just got a knack for scoring. You know, he can put the ball in the basket. Uh, he definitely should be playing somewhere after his college career. You know, he's a good shooter. He makes great decisions. He's a leader. And, uh, you know, he's a great player, you know. So, uh, you know, I would definitely want to put time in with Josh and keep making him better yeah. and better because he should play somewhere. What does Josh have to work on to go to the next level? Um, Josh, he, he pretty much does. He pretty much does it all. Yeah. You know, he'll be playing a, uh, maybe a point position uh, somewhere. So maybe a point guard. You know, he does it. He does everything good. You know, he's a leader out there, and uh, and that's what that's what teams are looking for is leadership. And uh, so you know, he just keep working hard. He definitely should be playing somewhere next year. Cool. And another guy, you know, is that practice. Last weekend, I tell you, you were killing this guy. You're hitting some amazing fadeaways <laughs> over him just inside the three-point line, who I think is the most improved Thunderbird this year, Alex Murphy. What have oh, you thought of this guy? Oh, Alex Murphy, he's, uh, yeah, he's one of my favorite players. You know, he should be playing somewhere next year also. Yeah. You know, he has a, he got the great dribbling ability. He made good decisions, and plus he can score when he wants to. You know, I think that's one of the things the coaching staff wants him to do more is just to score because he can score. And, uh, you know, he, he's a good player, and he should be playing somewhere next year also. Cool stuff. And, obviously, former Arizona Wildcat here, Michael Dickerson, mm -hmm. won the championship over there, coached by Lute Olsen. You, 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 you're now a little bit of a UBC guy, though, hey, after this year? Yeah. <laughs> Are you now? You going to follow this team? Oh, yeah, definitely, because, you know, this team has given me energy, you yeah. know, to want to get back and stay in shape. So, you know, I owe these guys the world. You know, anything I can do to help these guys to reach the next level and to play professionally somewhere, you know, I'm here for them. Cool. Yes. Cool stuff. And, you know, there is talk of this school, I'm sure you've been aware of it, of joining the NCAA mm -hmm. in a couple years. Um, they're going to go NCAA Division II basketball for at least five years if they do go. Do you have an opinion on that? Well, I, I just think the UBC, the UBC uh, University, you know, is such a great university, you know, with the volleyball team being team being number one, you know, the guys are being number one. You know, they they deserve to to, to prog make progress. And you think to, so, yeah? Yeah, and to, you know, if that's what they want, that's good. You know, it's kind of up to, you know, the universities. But, you know, they deserve to, to, to get better and better and better. That's what it's all about, getting better. And NCAA Division One, if that's where this program does decide to go, What's the big difference between this league we're watching here tonight and that level? Because you were at the highest level there, winning a national mm -hmm. championship. What, what's the big difference? Well, I think the biggest difference may be, you know, uh, you know, the, 
athleticism. You know, these guys are athletic, but, you know, you can always have room to improve. Yeah. You know, the guys are bigger, but, you know, I think by that time, you know, you can match the American guys with the Canadian guys. And uh, I think it would be good for the school. You know, it's up to them, but uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's a better, you know, it's keep getting better and keep getting better yourself. That's what it, it's all about. Uh, one big question is if UBC does go, do they have a chance to recruit against, mm -hmm. we might, you know, we're not going Pac-10 schools like you were in, but do they have a chance to recruit against these mid-majors and be like a Gonzaga? Mm -hmm. would, would these American players want to come to Vancouver and go to school? I think it, I think they would have a chance. Um, <clears throat> you know, Vancouver's a great place to live. It's a beautiful country. You know, the people are great. You know, I've always loved the people here. They're supportive. The basketball is supportive. And, uh, you know, we got a good, co a great coach in Kevin, yeah. you know, with Randy, you know, all the way to Vern and to um, the other coaching, uh, so it's a Jamie. So I think these guys, you know, they get out there and they recruit some of the best guys. And you know, every, anything I can do to help Canadian basketball, you know, achieve, you know, progression, you know, I'm there. And uh, so you're super impressed with this program, hey? I am. You know, just a UBC program. You know, just having number one, having a number one uh, volleyball, number one basketball. Yeah. You know, that says something for the university and for the for the players. That was a heck of a volley women's volleyball final we had here just before, eh? Yeah, it was. You know, they're impressive. You know, <laughs> the the coach, the volleyball coach to win. You know, three straight titles. That's it. That's hard. That's very hard. He knows you know? his stuff here, Doug. He knows his stuff here. You <laughs> yeah. keep it up with it. Uh, last thing here, uh, Michael. I have to ask you this question. Mm -hmm. There is that rumor came out like two weeks ago of Vancouver getting that NBA team back. Mm -hmm. You got anything to say? You're you're a perfect guy to ask her. Wow. Well, if they get an NBA team, I hope they give me a chance. <laughs> it'll be great for the city, though. Yeah, it'll be great for the city. It can work. I believe it can. You know, the the you know it was unfortunate that the team left in the beginning because I, I felt they were very supportive. You know, the team was uh, the fans were very supportive. And uh, like I said, they get an NBA chance, the NBA team back. I want a chance <laughs> to represent Canadian basketball again. Awesome stuff, Michael Dickerson with Appreciate us right it. now. Thank you so much, Mike. You'll be here next weekend for the Final Four? I believe so. You coming to Halifax or can't make that trip? <laughs> I'm not for sure yet, but, uh, you know, I just wish the guys luck either way. <laughs> Great yeah. stuff, Thanks Michael. Thanks a lot. Appreciate Thank it. you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Michael. Uh, Michael Dickerson there, Doug. Uh, fun having him on at halftime. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was very gracious to come on with us a couple of uh, weeks ago. Uh, uh, when they were uh, playing... Uh, oh, I missed that, eh? Yeah. Thompson River. That's the Thompson River <laughs> game. <laughs> I was but one thing, I, uh, one thing you guys talked about, which I'd like to, uh, you know, just go into a little bit more. You talked about maybe bringing some of the American players up here, but I, I don't think that's the point. I think it's about keeping some of the Canadian kids yeah. who have the talent here in Canada and having them, uh, giving them the opportunity to play here. You mentioned Gonzaga. Yeah, I mean, that's like a, a Canadian expatriate. It's uh, a BC outpost. school. Pretty yeah, much. essentially yeah. it's a BC school. Yeah. I mean, I'm rooting for Gonzaga when they uh, go <laughs> into the March Madness coming up on the 15th. So I, I think the idea is to, uh, you know, give, uh, you know, Canadian players, BC players, the opportunity yeah. to play at home. And I, I think uh, UBC would be a wonderful place. And I think, Doug, with the way the Canada West has gone in recent years, and we see it this year, I mean, the Final Four, super excited for next weekend. But let's face it, I believe, I'm going to say this is a five-team league this year. There's Victoria, there's Saskatchewan, there's Alberta, there's Trinity Western, there's UBC, and then there's just a fall off the cliff 
in this conference. I'm sorry to say that, but that's how it seems to have gone. Yeah, there, there is two echelons. Yeah. There's really a Premier League where the Thunderbirds and Trinity Western and Saskatchewan. And I think Carleton, Alberta and Victoria are, yeah. are just below them, but those are two quality teams too. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, then you've got the, uh, the second tier league. Yeah. And uh, that's really unfortunate that there isn't enough uh, parity in, in uh, you know, competitiveness uh, uh, because it, it puts UBC, I think, and we've talked about this before, at a disadvantage. And Doug, my, my other point is though that the, the CIS has denied going to tiering uh, in the Canada, in the conferences. If you're in the CIS, you get to play all CIS teams. But, you know, I talked about the teams just now and there's more teams coming in. There's University of Okanagan coming in next season. There's other teams being rumored to come in. I mean, you know, Doug, and, and you said it in recent weeks, it's almost like UBC. Yes, they haven't won that national championship, but in this conference, at least, they've almost outgrown it, haven't they? I, and I think they have. Uh, they have definitely outgrown it. They're a quality program. They attract some great talent. So, uh, you know, these, uh, you know, the Thunderbirds, I think, uh, deserve to and should make the next step yeah. uh, going into the NCAA. It's just too bad that it's going to take so long for them to uh, reach the uh, Division One. Yeah, no, and that's just how it is. That's the rule. Uh, Doug, first half here tonight, UBC in front, 56 to 47. Uh, we had Vern Knopp on at halftime. He was not allowed to say it, being a coach. Can't do any criticizing, but let's just hope here in the third quarter and the fourth, uh, these officials ease up on those foul calls. Well, what I would like to see is some flow to the ball game there. Uh, was definitely not any flow to the second quarter as, uh, you know, the Thunderbirds were able to uh, hang on to a lead. Uh, what was once 21 points yeah. has been cut to uh, just nine points. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the Thunderbirds, uh, I think they need to get out there and, uh, you know, uh, the, the flow has to be there for them uh, to really execute their offense. And when it's being chopped up like that, it's just no good. 56-47, UBC in front of the ball game. Second half just about to get underway here. UBC needs to lock this one up, and they'll be hosting their third straight conference championship next weekend. Doug looking at his watch right now. This one should be over by now, you know. It's 9.48. Wow. Yeah, usually we're done by now and we're packing up. <laughs> Third quarter underway, UBC with a steal. Alex Murphy in the open court, Thunderbirds up by nine. Here's Kamar Burke driving just like he started the ball game. Hits an early shot here to start the third quarter. Doug Plum with a heck of a steal. Behind the back pass to Josh White. Open court, leaves it for Kamar. Right corner, Murphy, who's going to slow it down. Nice steal there by Doug Plum. 58-47, UBC leads by 11, 9.22 to go in the third. Brett Malish in the paint, big shot good. Doug, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that exactly how the game started? Kamar Burke hit a shot, then Malish in the paint? Yeah, you're absolutely right. We got deja vu all over again, as uh, Yogi Berra would say. 60-47, 13-point Thunderbird lead. O'Mara driving, he's fouled on a hand check by Brett Malish. We almost, almost got through a minute of play without a foul here in the third quarter. That would have been sweet, eh, Doug? Malish picking up his third personal foul, so that's a problem for the Birds. Garcia's gonna inbound it. Gets it to Maxwell. He's fouled by Kamar Burke on 
and Kamara's going to pick up his third personal foul. Uh, so that means uh, three Thunderbirds with uh, three personal fouls. Malish, Bath, and Kamar Burke, uh, the big men for the Birds. And four with two. It's going to be O'Mara, top of the circle for Manitoba, who are still in this ballgame. Maxwell driving right side, layup good. A short jumper good. Well, it's a, it's a one-handed <laughs> shot put is what it was. <laughs> 60 to 49, UBC in front, 8.45 to go in the third quarter. Looking to put this series away. Brett Malish outside left, top of the circle. Douglas Plum, gonna drive. His kick out is knocked away by Maxwell, goes to Kamar. Alex Murphy in traffic, his layup off the mark. And O'Mara's gonna bring it up the floor for the Bison. Manitoba came into this half, down by nine, looking to cut it down to nine or eight here. Reimer, top of the circle. Going left side, wild run and layup is good. Manitoba has cut the lead back to nine, 60 to 51. Outside left, Douglas Plum. Left paint, Brett Malish. Kick out to Plum. Brett Malish is fouled as he was trying to kick that one out. That'll be on Oliver, his second personal for the Bisons, who Doug also have three players with three personal fouls. Well, we've got a uh, third quarter uh, ending up or just starting out, much like the second quarter ended up. Inbound to Malish, alley-oop no good. Couldn't hit the lay-in. Reimer with the rebound and the Bisons have a chance to get even closer right here. Maxwell, long three, air ball, wow. Missed it by four feet. That was the NBA range three-pointer and when you're gonna take that with about 19 seconds to go on the shot clock, make sure you at least come close to hitting the rim duck. Douglas Plum driving, outside right, Joshua White, layup good! Give Josh White double digits, he's got 10 points. White crossing right to left to cross and uh, just put up a left-handed hook, uh, baby hook to uh, nail the two. Maxwell has it, left paint now. Tough fadeaway, but he tried to kick it and he turned it over. Here's Josh White in the open court. Josh one-on-one, -on -one. he's fouled going up for the shot. O'Mara got a piece of him, and Josh White to the line for UBC. O'Mara picking up his fourth personal foul there. He's the first one uh, to get to four personal fouls. The first of many tonight, you think? I would say so, yeah. O'Mara going to the bench, replaced, uh, replaced rather by Huertas. Joshua White at the line for the Thunderbirds. Free throw good. So. I think rightly so, Michael Dickerson saying this is a guy who could go pro probably in Europe next year. Yeah, and uh, you know, lots of Thunderbird players have made a, a pretty good living uh, playing in Europe. Uh, you know, starting off with J.D. Jackson was just checking on Casey Archibald uh, in the Estonian League, and he's doing not too bad. Free throws, both good by Josh. UBC gets the lead by 13. Garcia three right side, blocked by Kamar Burke. Kicks it out to Josh White. Josh looking to drive, layup good. 15-point lead for the Thunderbirds, 66-51. Josh, six early points here in the third quarter. Under seven to go in the third. Garcia has it, passed on the three, into traffic. Kicks it out, Reimer at the free throw line. Strong, Alex Murphy with the rebound for UBC. He's gonna kick it, he's gonna push it. Murphy driving, he's fouled, he falls to the floor. And Alex Murphy to the line for UBC. You can see it, Doug, he's fighting hard, but when he hit the ground there, you can see he was just like, oh, this was a guy. I mean, Doug, honestly, I'll say it right now. We looked at Alex Murphy in warm-up, and we both kind of said it, and you can see it now. He does look a little green, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, and it's not even spring yet. 
<laughs> Alex Murphy suffering from food poisoning tonight. Uh, the, the moral of the story, he had to take two gravel uh, earlier in the day. We'll leave it at that. But he still dug seven first-half points. Alex looking for his eighth point here as he missed the first free throw. Goes over to the line. Kamarberg fights for that rebound. Couldn't quite keep it in bounds. And Manitoba will take over. For that foul on Manitoba, Doug, that was Reimer picking up his fourth personal. So two of Manitoba's starters on the bench with four fouls. Cortez drives right side, kicks it out. Maxwell for three. That's a brick. Malish, easy rebound. Outlet to Alex Murphy. Murphy into traffic, kicks it out to Kamar Burke, and leaves it for Alex. Brett Malish outside right now, going to take it into traffic. Alex Malish drives and the foul. Brett Malish will go to the line to complete the three-point play. Malish right now with six points, and uh, it is uh, a Thunderbird team that has uh, a very balanced scoring uh, out there for, uh, for UBC. Malish at the free throw line. UBC up 68-51, Malish with the free throw, and that one's up, and good, nothing but net. Give Brett Malish seven points in the game, UBC in front, 69-51, timeout on the floor. Well, 18-point lead for the Thunderbirds right now, and they seem to be pulling away uh, as they uh, have a habit of doing in the third quarter of, uh, of ball games. Looks like... Uh, the uh, the Bisons are having uh, you know some uh, problems with their personnel, uh, specifically uh, two of them with four personal fouls, uh, which means their time is going to be very limited. <laughs> uh, Doug, yeah, as we see UBC really in this last Kevin Hansen era, <laughs> especially in the last five six years, the depth of the Thunderbirds always a key in games and. You know, you look at it where UBC has all these guys with two and three, but they're able to play so many guys. Manitoba forced to keep their starters in. Now they've got two guys with four. So. Yeah, I mean, UBC's bench uh, filled with a lot of talent and um, on uh, on the great many nights, the, uh, the bench can play uh, as good, if not better, than the starters. And uh, the bench tonight outscoring Manitoba in the first half, 26 to... Uh, to 10, so uh, UBC a huge edge uh, in their ability to execute the plays and uh, and win ball games. Manitoba ball here coming out of the timeout, 6.17 to go third quarter. Bison's trailing UBC in the second game of this two out of three series, one game to none in the series, and 69-51 in the ball game. Cortez has it, outside left Maxwell. In front of his own bench is Huertes. Left paint, Maxwell kicks out to Garcia. Thought about the three. Nine on the shot clock. Top of the circle. Garcia, three ball, good! Eric Garcia leads all scores with 21. He's had a ball game tonight, Doug. Manitoba really needed that. Uh, they were down by 18 points, cut that to 15, uh, but they haven't been able to put enough points on the board. Douglas Plum trying to answer with a three of his own! They're gonna actually call it a long two. But Doug Plum hits the jumper, give him 14. UBC lead back to 18, 72, 54. Back to back long range. UBC, as you said, answering uh, that uh, three-pointer. Right side, Huertes can't handle the pass. That goes out of bounds. UBC basketball, 5.26 to go third quarter. Thunderbirds in front by 18 points. 
Josh White running at him in the corner there, and uh, I think he just took the eye off the ball and lost it. Right side, Malish, three ball, in and out. Ball is tipped, Spear picks it up, outlets it to Fuertes, breakaway open court, layup, good. Nathan, you wisely let that one go as it would have uh, been a uh, possibly a breakaway foul. Josh White finds some room, but they're gonna call him for an offensive foul. They're gonna say he pushed off before he drives, and that will be the third personal on Josh White. UBC with one foul to give here with 5.01 to go in the third, and Manitoba is in the penalty. In front of his own bench is Oliver for the Bison. Left side, Maxwell running jumper is good. Give Sean Maxwell 12. UBC lead cut to 14, 72-58. UBC has not quite been able to put Manitoba away here in this ball game, but they are in total, they are in real control right now. Josh White, long jumper, that's off the mark. I won't say total control, but they're looking real good. Garcia looking to drive for the Bisons. Kicks it out to Maxwell. Garcia in front of his own bench. Has it outside left, stops his dribble. Maxwell now has it outside left. Garcia in front of his own bench again, knocked away by Kamar Burke. Ball goes out of bounds, will still be Bison basketball. The three on the shot clock for Manitoba. The key play, I think, Doug, I don't remember the score, but Manitoba had a shot to really cut into that lead and get it to a real manageable number, and Sean Maxwell took that three-pointer four seconds into their possession from NBA three-point land that was an air ball by what you said about four feet. Yeah, missed it by about yeah. four feet. So NBA range, uh, but uh, certainly not the ability to shoot it that far. Fuertes at the buzzer, missed that three. Spear gets the rebound though for Manitoba. He's fouled. And Braden Spear to the free throw line for Manitoba. Fouls on Doug Plum, his third personal. UBC, I gotta say it, Doug, again tonight, not playing their best basketball game. Spear hits the first free throw. Thunderbirds uh, yeah. with five players uh, with three personal fouls. So we're gonna see a, a number of them, I think, foul out in this game. <laughs> same, for, uh, same for uh, Manitoba. Spear goes two for two at the line. UBC lead again 12 points. Malish in the paint now, fights for a position, doesn't get the roll, but he got the rebound. Brett puts it up. Can't get the foul there, but the rebound goes to UBC. It's Josh White. His shot doesn't get the roll. Spear able to grab it. Has it knocked away, but he recovers, and Manitoba has the ball. Huertes, outside left, driving all the way. Layup no good, but Jonar Huertes will be going to the free throw line for a Manitoba Bison team that is just not able to let UBC put him away. Manitoba hasn't quite gotten back into this ballgame, but it's been between 8 and 14 points for a real long time. Yeah, I, mean, I don't even know because this, there's so many fouls in this game. There's absolutely no pace. And really scrappy at, uh, at the defensive end there as the Thunderbirds got uh, several opportunities to, uh, to put the, uh, the ball in the hoop. But, uh, you know, they, they just were not able to, uh, to get it in. And I'm surprised that no foul was called on the, uh, on the Bisons in that exchange. Uh, Nathan, you picking up the foul, that mercifully for the Thunderbirds <laughs> only, is his, only is his second. Huertes at the line, strong on the first for UBC now. Five players with two, five players with three fouls, two, three with two. So eight players with two plus 
fouls. The only one who gets, who's like a starter in their top eight who hasn't done it is Alex Murphy. He hasn't done one yet. Huertes goes one for two at the line. Brent Malish drives for UBC, draws the foul, gets the basket, and Brent Malish will go to the line for UBC to complete the three-point play. 3.34 to go, third quarter, UBC in front, 74-61. Brent Malish looking to make it a 14-point Thunderbird lead. Yeah, UBC, I think they're going to need all of their uh, point opportunities here. Malish can't get that free throw to go. Here's Oliver, open court for the Bisons, driving left side. Throws it in the middle. Here's Spear in traffic. He's tripped up. Braden Spear will go to the line for two, and I think that's going to be on Grand Bath. That will be on Bath. And that's finally, be we've got a UBC player with four. I've been waiting for that one, Doug, but Grand Bath, he wins the pot. <laughs> and that really was, I mean, it looked like Spear just tripped over Bath. Bath didn't really do anything. He was just there and just in the wrong position. And I'd like to say this, folks. We're not saying that these calls are going against UBC. This is, this is just a foul-filled game for both teams. Did you agree there, Doug? Yeah. We're, we're not saying anybody's being picked on particularly by the officials. Spear hits both free throws. Here's Alex Murphy the other way for UBC. 74, I just, this is, I've never seen it like this before. This is ridiculous. Outside left, Nate U, top of the circle. Looking to drive, right corner, Mayotte for three. That's off the mark, ball goes over the shot clock. Out of bounds, and they're gonna say it actually went off of Spear, and UBC will get a fresh 24. If the game of basketball was called like this every night, I don't think anybody would ever watch. <laughs> well, it's just like baseball games getting longer and longer. With the pitching changes. Yeah, all those pitching changes. Uh, Nate Yu finds some room. He drives left-hand layup good. Give Nathan Yu 14 points. UBC gets the lead back to 14, 76-62. Nathan Yu with a steal. Puts it in the open court. Has it knocked from behind. He was getting ready to hit that layup but it will be UBC ball, 21 on the shot clock. Well, good hustle by Oliver to uh, catch up with uh, Nathan Yu and knock that ball away without committing a foul. What's the over-under on how many foul out in the ball game tonight? 10? I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll check <laughs> Vegas. I'll call. Alex Murphy, top of the circle for UBC. Dribbles behind his back, six on the shot clock. Nate Yu, three ball. You got it, Nate! UBC, yeah, UBC up by 17 points. UBC uh, flirting with putting this game away. Three ball for Oliver, can't match for the Bisons. That's a brick. Here's Alex Murphy. UBC three on three. Murphy stops. Now he's going to slow it down. Kicks it back to Nathan Yu. Alex calling the play. It's number five. Let's see what that is. Malish, top of the circle, going to drive. Puts it up. He's fouled. And Brent Malish will go to the free throw line for UBC. Sean Maxwell not happy with the call for the Bisons. For Maxwell, that's going to be his third personal. <laughs> Still 156 remaining in the third quarter. Brent Malish, who's got nine in the ballgame, looking for double digits on this one, gets it to go. UBC leading 80 to 62. We're getting to the late stages. We're in the late stages of the third quarter. Brent goes two for two at the night. Never thought I'd say, I'm hoping to get out of a UBC game and maybe I can get home in time for Saturday Night Live. 
I don't have far to go. Fuertes called for a charge for the Bisons. And it will be UBC ball going the other way. And that's his fourth personal. So three Manitoba players have committed four personal fouls in this ball game. UBC still has only one. It's Graham Bath with four. UBC looking to get the lead over 20 now. 81-62 there in front. Malice with it outside left. Nate Yu swooping past the mouse. They're going to say Nate Yu was foul before he passed this one off. That's going to be Oliver picking up the foul. That's his, his fourth. I think it's his third. Oh, no. Okay. Sorry. It, it is his third person. Should foul. I even say that Manitoba's in the penalty? Should I even say that both teams are in the bonus? Nate Yu at the line gets the first to go. UBC rebuilding its 20-point lead. It's now 82-62, and we've got another uh, free throw to go. Nate U goes two for two at the line, 83-62. I will say this, Doug, if UBC goes on to win next week, I really hope none of those Canada West Final Four games are officiated with this kind of scrutiny. This is too much. Garcia has it for the Bisons. Kicks it out, outside left. Garcia left corner now, driving. Blocked from behind by Ball Rash Baines. Nathan Yu comes up with it, finds Melvin Mayotte. Leaves it for Murphy, left side. He's going to slow it down. Alex has it. Left corner. 10 on the shot clock for the Birds. Here's Malish. Into the paint to Balraj. Under the hoop. Right side. Mayotte. Three ball. Melvin Mayotte knocks three. down a three. Mel UBC's opened up a 24-point lead. Melvin Mayotte with his 12th point of the ball game. Under a minute to go now, third quarter. Oliver, right side. Long jumper. Off the mark. Malish with the rebound. He's going to bring it up the floor. Brent Malish, looking to go. Takes it all the way to the right corner. Now Murphy slows it down. Left side, Melvin Mayotte. Leaves it for Nate Yu. UBC's going to set up the offense. 13 on the shot clock. Mayotte telling Nate Yu, get over there. Mayotte takes it in the middle now. Malish, top of the circle. Leaves it for, now stops his dribble. Three ball for Brent. Short, Oliver with the rebound for the Bisons. They can almost hold all the way for the last shot. There is a two-second differential between shot and game. Oh. Here's Garcia for the Bisons. Top of the circle. Into traffic. Running shot. In and out. Tipped by Oliver. No good. Ball goes out of bounds. Will remain Bison basketball. One second left in the third quarter. It's one o'clock on the East Coast. Left side. Long two at the buzzer for Oliver is good. And that will end the third quarter of play. UBC 10 minutes away from hosting their third straight Canada West Championship. They lead in the game 86-44. Uh, joining us on the line right now, former player for the UBC Thunderbirds, former coach for the UBC Thunderbirds, current coach for Camosun College, Nate Yu. Uh, Jordan, Jordan. <laughs> older brother, the older wow. brother. Wow. Wow, I like how I did that, though. Uh, Jordan, you joining us right now. Uh, JY, are you allowed to comment on officials or no? No, definitely not. <laughs> uh, I have some of these same officials in my league right now, so I definitely don't want to say anything. Okay, but they're, they're all great. There have <laughs> been several fouls called tonight. Would you agree with that? I would, uh, I would have to agree, yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, JY, uh, this UBC basketball team, uh, Kevin Hansen era, 
they win this, it's 10 straight playoff series. They'll be hosting the Canada West Championship for the third straight year. Uh, this program, the beat goes on, hey? Um, he's done a tremendous job over the years. Um, this year, more than any other year, I feel, uh, is one of their strongest teams. I mean, they got the complete package. Again, depth, depth, depth. Yeah. Uh, always, you can look look down the bench and someone will show up to play. So, uh, good, good recruiting, uh, great coaching. Uh, what else could you ask for in a team? Uh, your brother. Leading the team right now with 19 points. Had a rough game last night. Yeah, I, I saw I only caught the second half online. Uh, were we too hard on him yesterday? No, you were more hard on the fans or <laughs> hard on the refs on the fans. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was caught the second half. I heard he got in foul trouble early. Uh, you know, that throws players off their games a lot. Um, uh, you know, I didn't get to see much. So, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, and, Nate, one thing this program, of course, hasn't done is win that national championship. That's right. How much does it mean to your head coach, your former head coach, Kevin Hansen? Um, I would think it means a lot. I mean, Kev is a true competitor. Um, playing for him, coaching with him, you know that when it comes down to it, this time of year, uh, he cranks it up another notch and, and they, they go balls to the walls. <laughs> um, no, and uh, it, kudos to him on it. I mean, he, he keeps you motivated. He, he shows how much he wants it, and yeah. that's what you need as a player. I say that, yeah. It really uh, affects everyone on the team, including the coaching staff. Um, and, and you work that much harder to get it. And uh, I mean, they just got to keep pushing along. I mean, they've been to the finals two years in a row. Um, I, I'm sure, I, I'm hoping they're going to get there again this year. Um, and they'll do it eventually. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Uh, fourth quarter underway, 86-64, UBC in front, 934, 9.33 to go into the ball game. And Doug! O'Mara wins the pot. We've been waiting to see I, the first of what I will be, I believe will be many players fouling out of the ball game tonight. Uh, Kevin O'Mara, Keith O'Mara falls out for Manitoba. Good freshman player for them. He is perhaps Canada West Rookie of the Year this year. Brett Malice, left paint for UBC. Turnaround jumper. Stay for one sec. Uh -huh. Shot off the mark. Rebound goes to Garcia. Bisons bring it up the other way. Garcia leads all players with 21 right now. Has it outside right. Ball knocked away. Alex Murphy comes up with it for UBC. Playing with food poisoning tonight. Right corner, Nate Yu drives. Running shot off the mark. Malish with the rebound. His putback is good. Get Brett Malish. 13 points in the ball game. UBC leads by 24. Five Thunderbirds in double figures. Uh, great balance scoring for the Birds. 88, 40, 64 is the lead. Huertes driving for the Bisons. He gets that lane to go. Give him 12 points in the game. He torched UBC last night. Nate Yu has it. Alex Murphy looking to drive. Outside right. Melvin Mayop for three. That's good. Uh, JY, UBC is by 25. Melvin Mayot. What do you think of this player here? Melvin Mayot, great long defender. Gets up and down the court and has that outside stroke. Um, one of those, another role player on the team that just comes in, provides that spark that you love. Um, and again, he's just one of those guys that just adds depth to that team where you can just rely on one of those guys to, to come up strong in the game. I mean, um, they got so many of these players that you just, uh, who do you go to? Who do you go to when the game gets tough? Um, no, I love his game. Uh, always like his player, great demeanor, great kid. Uh, Huertes driving for the Bisons, draws the foul on the basket. He'll go to line to complete the three-point play. Alex Murphy checks out of the game. 
Now, uh, JY, very quickly, we were told he was, as Squartis hits the free throw, we were told that Alex Murphy was playing tonight with food poisoning to the point that he had to take, we'll just say, a couple gravel, and we'll leave it at that. How hard is it to play? Uh, you ever had to play with food poisoning or something like that? No. Or a little, a bad a, flu? No, just a broken hand. Yeah. yeah you remember that. <laughs> but uh, Alex Murphy, one of those guys, obviously, uh, he's been playing in the most practices and games as a CIS player. He's one of the guys that just come out and compete every single night, no matter how he's feeling. Um, you know, I talked to him earlier in the, uh, before the game, and he didn't say much about oh. that. So he's not letting it affect him. He's still playing hard, <laughs> still having an okay game. There you go. JY, JY, thanks so much for coming on today. And uh, you start your playoffs this week, eh? This week, quarterfinals against Camosa, and we secured that number three seed. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're making that run for nationals. And I'm just going to give a shout-out to my boy, James Lum. I know you're listening. I see you out there. All right. Thanks, JY. <laughs> Shot's a little strong. Cortez uh, with the free throw there. Melvin Mayock picked up the foul for UBC. Another Thunderbird with three. JY, great player and, and really just a great guy. Always willing to help out with some calls here, Doug. Former player, current coach in the junior college ranks. Yeah, an all-around good guy. Yeah, it's appreciate uh, him dropping by and uh, chatting with us. 91-70, UBC in front. They've got the ball. Seven and a half to go in the ballgame. Doug Plum with the shot in and out. Reimer with the rebound for Manitoba. Once again, the Bisons, despite being way down late, Doug, still showing fight. They did that last night, too. That's really what I'm most impressed with them this weekend. Outside right, all over for three, knocks it down, and the UBC lead down to 18. I mean, Doug, honestly, this Bison team, they're going to be playing hard through this game tonight, no matter how far they're down. Well, that's true, because this is your uh, last basketball yep. of the season. After this, you're not playing anymore, so you might as well give everything you got. Tommy Nixon drives for UBC. He misses the shot, but he gets the rebound, and he's fouled going up for it. And Tommy Nixon, who's really one of those Thunderbird of the Futures at the line, picking up the foul is Oliver for Manitoba. He's got four, Doug. Nixon at the free throw line gets the first to go. Give him six points. So one Manitoba player is fouled out, three have four personals and they're all on the floor. Nixon goes in and out on that one. Problem is none of my none of our guests in this broadcast, Doug, have been able to talk about the official. <laughs> Garcia has it inside half court. Here's Maxwell. Top of the circle now. Reimer. UBC up by 1992-73. Garcia driving, running layup off the mark. Josh White fouls him there. White's going to pick up his fourth personal foul, but there's almost no uh, way you can avoid that. Uh, Garcia, just a, a little bit of a jitterbug out there. Uh, uh, he tried attacking uh, White initially and just ended up putting his shoulder into uh, to White, but then uh, got away from that and actually got uh, White moving and uh, picked up the foul. White explaining to the referee that uh, he was uh, standing there, hands straight up, but uh, the referee uh, noted that, you know, he was on the move at the time. So that was a blocking foul. Garcia goes one for two at the line. UBC lead is 18, 92-74. Under six and a half to go in the ballgame. Alex Murphy back in for UBC. Top of the circle, Douglas Plum. Outside right, Melvin Mayotte. Passed on that shot into traffic. Left-hand layup, good. Give Melvin Mayotte 17. UBC closing in on 100 again tonight. 
Right side, right paint is Reimer. He has it knocked away, goes out of bounds off of Alex Murphy. UBC maintains possession. Thunderbirds closing in, Doug, on the... Century mark. For the 10th time in what will be their 26th ball game, conference play or playoffs of the year. Long inbound pass for the Bisons, 13 on the shot clock. Here's Oliver, outside left is Garcia. Kicks it out, Huertes, three ball. That's strong. Tommy Nixon with the rebound for UBC, outlets it to Douglas Plum. Doug has it, right paint, Brent Malish. Tough turnaround, doesn't get the roll. Malish gets the rebound though, puts it up, has it knocked away, over to Doug Plum, layup good. Give Doug Plum 16 in the ball game. Restoring a 22-point lead for the Thunderbirds, 96-74. Uh, Still five minutes and 36 seconds left. I mean, uh, how high can this score go? Will we get home in time for the Oscars at 5 o'clock tomorrow? Are we still going to be here? Outside left is Garcia. I never thought I'd say that. Outside right is Oliver for the Bisons. Has 12 points in the game. Reimer, long two right side, is good. UBC leads 96-76. Here's Alex Murphy for the T-Birds. Outside right, Doug Plum over to Alex Murphy. Into the paint, Malish open. Missed the open lay-in is Brent Malish. Just couldn't get it over the uh, front of the rim. They're wide open in front. Huertes brings it up the floor. Reimer foul from behind by Melvin Mayotte. That'll be the fourth team foul on UBC, and Melvin Mayotte is now the fourth UBC player in this ballgame to pick up four personal fouls. I'm sorry, third player to pick up four. It just seems like more. Well, there will be more. Inbound to Sean Maxwell, who most likely now playing his last CIS game. Reimer in the paint, layup lefty good, 96-78. Fifth year players, Doug. We've got Ian Dickey, who I don't think we've seen tonight for the Bisons. Their leading man, Eric Garcia, and Sean Maxwell are the seniors for the Bisons in this ballgame, most likely playing their last CIS game. But well, they've still got a good base uh, to build on in uh, the next two years. Fuertes and O'Mara, I think, leading that charge. Two on the shot clock for UBC. Outside right, Doug Plum, three at the buzzer, air ball. 4-12 to go in the game. Manitoba has it, down by 18. Melvin Mayo with a steal, I'll let the Brent Mouse. Brent with a breakaway. Dunk it down, Brett. He does! With authority! Timeout, Bisons. 98-78. And I'm going to call it, Doug. UBC has been really looking like this for a while, but I'm going to call it UBC with a 20-point lead late in the game. Will host the Canada West Championship next weekend for the fourth straight year, third straight year. Yeah, and we're looking forward to it. Uh, their opponents uh, will be the uh, um, Alberta Golden Bears, and uh, the Alberta Golden Bears, one of uh, a very few uh, teams to uh, have uh, beaten the Thunderbirds this year. One of two. Yes. And interestingly, another team UBC will be playing or who will be or in the tournament. will be yeah. at the tournament, yeah. Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, who has beaten UBC going back to the playoffs last year, three of the last four times. 
those teams have met. Saskatchewan beat them once this year. They split early here. And then, of course, the Canada West Final Four game, which was brilliant last year. And, of course, this, most importantly, I think we can say, the CIS Championship uh, one year ago. But also joining the fray, Trinity Western coming back here. They've only lost now four games this year. And it's amazing. You've got the two, three, four ranked teams in UBC, Trinity Western, and Saskatchewan. It's going to be one of the best Final Fours, Doug, I think we've ever seen in this gym. It, and we've seen some good ones. I don't know if it'll play out that way, but this is the weekend. I mean, for us, this is really the weekend we look forward to the most, I think. Yeah, Final Four, uh, some great basketball, and it's, uh, you know, when you're in, yeah. lose, you're in deep trouble. Well, Saskatchewan missed it there, and here's UBC looking for that century mark. Alex Murphy for three, off the mark, but Doug Plum got the rebound, UBC will get a reset. So here's the schedule, what it will be. It'll be UBC, the first game is UBC and Alberta at 7 p.m. next Friday, and then at 9, it's Saskatchewan and Trinity Western. The reason being, as Doug Plum has it with six on the shot clock, kick out Tommy Nixon for three, in and out. Maxwell with the rebound for Manitoba. The reason is, Doug, Trinity Western is hosting the CIS Volleyball National Championships, and they want to put that game at 9 o'clock as Reimer hits a jumper right side for the Bisons at 9 o'clock, so the Spartan fans are going to have time to get out here for the game. And I think that's the right thing to do by the UBC Athletic Department. You're looking at about 800, maybe even more, Spartan fans to come out here. And, you know, they've earned this turn. They've earned the right to be here. And let's give that school a chance to watch their volleyball and then come out here and play in the well, Canada I'm West glad you mentioned it because it means i got to get off work early. <laughs> UBC's at 7. Oh, you yeah. got to get off a little early. i got to have to get off a little <laughs> early. Doug Plum drives for the Thunderbirds. All those games will be on 101.9 FM, and they will be on uh, the Internet, too. So tune in. It's going to be a fun one. Huertes with a long two right side for the Bisons. We'll cut the UBC lead to 16, 98-82, 2.08 to go. UBC still looking for triple digits. Next whistle, we're going to have, I think, some subs and some players, seniors coming out. Under two minutes to go now. Tommy Nixon has it right side. He's going to drive, has it knocked away. He's fouled. And Tommy Nixon will go to the line for UBC, and it looks like he will be the one to put him over 100 points. Uh, here's the way the tournament works, of course, is you win, as you said, Doug, on the Friday, you are in the national championship tournament. If you lose, you go to the bronze, where, quite frankly, if you win that game, you get into that national wild card mix, which is how UBC got in last year. And it's going to be a big one this year because Alberta basically right now 12th in the country. They will think that if they can lose on Friday and they win the bronze, they might have a shot at that wild card. But you got to figure Trinity Western or Saskatchewan, whoever loses on that Friday, they're probably the team that if they can't win on the Saturday does get that national wild card berth with both being ranked in the top four. It will be a huge bronze medal game, Doug, basically for somebody on the Saturday. No? Oh, I totally agree with you. I just... <laughs> I'm sorry. Garcia hit a three. I can't disagree with you, so I wasn't going to say anything. UBC did get that 100 point. Tommy Nixon hit a free throw. Minute and a half to go in the game. Thunderbirds in front, 100 to 85. Doug Plum with it for the Birds. Outside right, Tommy Nixon. Outside left, G-Bath. 
Over to Nixon, three ball left side. Doesn't get the roll. One thing for UBC though, Doug, there is no UBC Thunderbird player on this team that has ever won the Canada West Championship on home court. Kevin Hansen coach teams have lost their last three here, 2005, 2006 versus Victoria, and then the last two years losing to Calgary and Saskatchewan in the last couple of years. So, something we haven't seen. No Canada West host teams actually won the tournament since 2005. So just thought I'd throw that out there. 185, it's gonna be a great weekend though. Doug Plum driving, puts it up. He's called for a travel. Did get the roll, but it doesn't count. Oh, as you he was say, laughing, I think he was this saying, is, huh? this is the uh, This is the weekend that we look forward to the most, yeah. uh, you know, aside from nationals, but the fact is that it's here. <laughs> we don't have to drive to Langley. It looked like we might have for a while. Maxwell for three, he's blocked. Tommy Nixon got a yeah. hand in there. Uh, Eric Garcia, Doug, who's leading out uh, Manitoba in scoring this year, 25 tonight, playing his last game. He was outstanding in the ball game tonight in the losing effort. Yeah, there's uh, some good players on the uh, on the Bison squad there, and you you gotta uh, take your hat off to uh, to Garcia. Jazz Gill for three, knocks it down for the second night in a row. Jazz Gill gets a late three. Six seconds left in the ball game. Five, Huertas drives. Bank shot, no good. Tommy Nixon with the rebound. UBC sweeps the Manitoba Bisons. They win 103-85. They will host the Canada West Championship next weekend. The big game Friday night at seven when they will take on the Alberta Golden Bears, a team who beat them earlier on in the season. Okay, so who are we going to talk to here? Uh, you know, it wouldn't be a bad uh, idea to get maybe Tommy Nixon to come over here. All right, we'll yeah. get, and we got to get coach. Yeah, freshman uh, player uh, in his first playoffs for the Thunderbirds. Uh, you know, we'll see what the, uh, this experience means to him, but we're going to quickly go over the scores uh, for the Thunderbirds right now. The leading scorers, uh, we got Jason, uh, rather, uh, Nathan Yu with 19 points, 17 for Melvin Mayotte, Doug Plum with 16, Brent Malish with 15, uh, Josh White with 14, and uh, just a, a great overall effort. On the other side, uh, Garcia with 25 points, the leading scorer for the Bisons and uh, in this game with 25. Uh, Huertas with 18, uh, 12 points apiece for Maxwell, uh, Oliver, and uh, Reimer. 103-85 from War Memorial Gymnasium. We have uh, a final combatant in the uh, Final Four, and uh, that team is the UBC Thunderbirds who will host uh, the Final Four next weekend. Uh, we've got a request in. <laughs> Doug, UBC, though, this program, 10th straight series win. Yeah, outstanding effort by the, uh, the Thunderbirds. And, uh, you know, you, you really can't, uh, you can't say enough about the program, they, their ability to, uh, to play great basketball. Uh, Join us now, the head coach of the UBC Thunderbirds, Kevin Hansen. Uh, Coach, 103-85, you get the sweep over Manitoba this weekend. Uh, just tell us about the two games and how you feel about your basketball teams. 
Well, you know, kind of mixed emotions right now. I'm obviously happy that we won and we get an opportunity to host a Final Four, which is what you, what you play for, and it was a goal of ours, and we've achieved that goal. Uh, I'm not very happy with the way we played, obviously. Yep. Uh, I thought it was, uh, game was called pretty tight, and there's a lot of free throws, so that we didn't get a chance to get much of a flow going, and, you know, our game is about the flow. And But, you know, it's same as Nationals and, and, and in playoffs here. You have the media timeouts, and so you've got to play sort of somewhat three-minute games or two-and-a-half-minute games all the time. And you have to be able to focus and then refocus when those situations happen. We got in foul trouble the first half. I think we had five guys, I think, with two fouls. And so it put us out of rotations. But, uh, you know, there's a group of guys. I thought when Nathan and Melvin came in, we had a big run in the, in, in the first half and also in the second half. They sparked us and got us going. And I thought those guys competed defensively. And we had some lineups that didn't quite compete the way we wanted to. Uh, Coach, personally, uh, it's now 10 straight series wins for you. You ever thought you'd hear that number? <laughs> I don't. I don't think about stuff like that, Daryl. <laughs> you know, it's it's. Uh, you know, we want to be playing our best basketball, and that's kind of what yeah. I'm a little bit disappointed. I didn't think okay. we played our best basketball. You know, hats off. You know, I, I thought uh, Kirby's running a classy program there. I thought yeah. some of their kids played extremely well, shot the ball well. Garcia's last year, you know, fifth-year guy. I thought that was a great way for him to go out. Obviously, not with a loss, but he had probably his best game that he's ever played against us in his five-year career. Uh, you know, Sean Maxwell, of course, wanted to be part of our program and then transferred there. Uh, you know, so kind of mixed emotions, and we just have to start playing some better basketball. I thought we played pretty well in Victoria. Maybe our guys were looking ahead a little bit. Yeah. But uh, you know what? Right now, it's obviously it's time to refocus and hit the sports psychology uh, aspect <laughs> of the game. Well, Coach, the matchups are set for the Canada West Championship. You are going to be playing Alberta at 7 o'clock on, uh, on Friday night, a team that you split with earlier on in the season. Uh, quickly preview the matchup, UN Alberta. Uh, how do you avoid not having the slip up like you did last year in the Final Four? I'm, look, I'm looking forward to the match. Uh, you know, that, I had some personal issues. Uh, my father passed away yep. at that time. I wasn't there for that weekend. And, you know, so I, 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 watched, I watched both games, but, uh, you know, I have to take some time to get a feel for them again. You know, Ferguson played lights out. Apparently he hit a couple of threes from about seven feet behind the three-point line to, uh, tonight for their win. And, um, you know, they're on the young side, but they're also pretty tough. They've got some pretty talented kids. They're playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, you know, they came here last year, so they played playoffs in, in, our, uh, in our gym as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, we were addressing all those issues that we did last year. And uh, uh, we, we just, this week is going to be about us. It's going to be about yeah. trying to get better. You know, we'll do, we'll have the scout, we'll have the guys prepared, and then the guys just have to get it done. And uh, very quickly, just the other game, what a matchup, Saskatchewan and Trinity. That'll be a fun semifinal game itself, eh? Yeah, you know what? It's going to be a battle of the big boys. I mean, the, the, you know, there's a lot of size on both sides. There's a lot of skilled players. Uh, you know, with, with Baird on that, on that side playing tough, he's tough to defend. He's scoring points. He's, he's doing a lot of things. And I think it was the first time ever or something or second time in the history that a guy averaged a double or led, led Canada West in steals, assistant, and, and points, I think, something like that. And, and, I mean, he's just a heck of a player. He's a tough one to stop. You know, and I thought Trinity struggled a little bit in the last couple of games uh, with, with Fraser Valley's three-point shooting. And, uh, you know, I, again, it was a close game going down to the fourth quarter. So anything can happen. It's going to be a battle, and I'm certainly glad to watch those teams go at it together. It, uh, it's going to be a good Final Four. You know, he kind of predicted this down the road. That yeah. was, you know, for a while, it's been building up to, to get to this, <clears throat> anticipating it. So uh, not a surprise, but... Uh, you know, that's going to be a heck of a game. It's going to be a heck of a weekend. Uh, Coach, last question on it. Uh, no host team has won this tournament since 2005. 
Uh, you guys have won two in that span, both on the road in Brandon and Calgary. You've lost three at home in this tournament in that time period. What, what's that about? What's that stat about? Well, a lot of times, you know, it's the same thing. You talk to sports psychologists, whether it's professional or amateur sports, sometimes it's that home court disadvantage. Yeah. People are here. Uh, last year, I know we had a couple of guys. We had three guys, I believe, writing final exams. <laughs> Josh White is writing a, a final exam, at, or a midterm, sorry, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when the other teams are in the hotel, was strictly focusing on the basketball game. And, you know, it takes its toll. Sometimes when you're on the road, you're together with your team, you get a little bit more rest, you don't have the distractions. So we're addressing those, we're addressing those distractions this, this year. You know, going to have that to the forefront. And, you know, rest is very important. Their lives are very important, and the academics are very important, obviously. But hopefully, uh, you know, guys will, be, guys will address that and be, be, be ready to play. And, you know, we're going to try something new. We're going to play the 7 o'clock game. Hopefully we want to feature. I, I mean, I'd love to play 7 o'clock games all the time. That's my goal. That's what I really wanted to play. And, and uh, we'll see what happens. There you go. Kevin Hansen, coach, hosting your third straight Canada West Final Four Championship next weekend. Looking to go to Nationals. Where are we at now? Eight and nine years, if you can do it, eh? You're the numbers guy. I just <laughs> worry day-to-day -day stuff. But, uh, no, thank you guys for being here once again. Uh, greatly appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Thank you very much, coach. Uh, coming over now, uh, UBC Thunderbird freshman. Uh, Tommy Nixon. Tommy, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. Uh, this is it. You know, you come to UBC, I'm sure, to win. Yep. Uh, what's it like, your first playoff series with this team? Oh, it's great. It's a great atmosphere. Uh, I'm excited to play. And, uh, yeah, it was, great. it was a great time. <laughs> uh, yesterday's ball game, 32-all uh, was the score. Uh, things were looking a little dicey for you guys, but you came out of the timeout on a big run, uh, and you won convincingly again tonight. Yeah. So what, what happened in that timeout yesterday? You guys never really were threatened again by this team, it seems. Uh, well, we talked about just focusing defensively, and usually yeah. when we focus defensively, it stems, it, it instigates our offense, and uh, we get out running, and uh, it go, just goes from there, so. Uh, I, and personally, Tommy, uh, first playoff series play, you had, I think, uh, what was it, four points last night or something like that? Yeah. You got eight points tonight. Uh, gonna feel more at home? now yeah. on this team you know yeah just trying to find just figuring my role and uh yeah you know veteran I'm, group right so yeah we're a veteran group and uh you know a bunch of these guys have been here three four years yeah. and uh so i'm just trying to learn from them and try to like just get a feel for uh how we play and it's working out well what, what are you learning from the team right now because you know you you've got your guys with alex river brent malish who have been to Nationals five years in a row here. What are you learning about these guys and how excited is this team really? Because next weekend's really where it starts, you know? I mean, yeah. Well, last two years, you know, national championship yeah. didn't quite, just not quite there. So we're determined this year and uh, that really just sets the tone for us. And every game we come out, we come out with an intensity and focus to make it to that national championship. Cool. And you redshirted last year. So that obviously has to help. You got a better feel of the program because you are a freshman, but you were with the guys all the way last year. So. Yeah, I was just, I practiced with the guys for the last two years. So, yeah, um, yeah I got to be on the sidelines and uh, just understand the game. University is much different from high school. It's quite yeah. a step above. So uh, it was a great learning experience and I felt much more prepared this year than I would have been last year to, to play. Cool stuff. So yeah. ready to go now, hey? Yeah. Tommy Nixon. Tommy, thank you so right. much. Thanks Best of luck the rest of the way. Thank you. All right, Doug, uh, let's just sign her off here very quickly. UBC 103.85 to get the sweep. Finally, the Final Four is here. Yep, time to go and uh, look forward to some great basketball uh, next uh, next week. So 7 o'clock for the Thunderbirds yep. and Alberta. Uh, we'll be there. 
and we're going to enjoy it. Okay. Thanks for listening. Have a great night, everybody. And that ends our very, very long night here on CITR, presenting you uh, with all sorts of sports action. We went from uh, women's volleyball, we had a little bit of men's hockey, and we ended off with a very late-night version of men's basketball. But indeed, it will be UBC hosting uh, the Final Four in CIS men's basketball in the Canada West. It will be the CIS Championships, the destination for the women's volleyball team. Uh, that's next week, and the season is done for the men's team in hockey, UBC hockey, ending another year without a playoff appearance. Uh, we thank all of you for listening. Um, I'm sure if you caught uh, some of the action that uh, th there was lots of exciting stuff for you to hear, especially that women's uh, volleyball game against Trinity Western that went five sets. Certainly some of the uh, the best volleyball we've witnessed in, in uh, quite a while and in our many years of broadcasting volleyball here on CITR. And uh, the men's team going on in basketball to the next round. So uh, if... You have, of course, any questions or comments about our broadcasts, feel free to email us at sports at citr.ca. My name is Wilson Wong, and I'm just one of the many people who volunteered to put on these sportscasts tonight, and I want to thank them all. Jason Wang, of course, uh, broadcasting two volleyball games back-to-back. -back. Uh, Jeff Sargent. If you would believe it, uh, going literally from women's volleyball into a men's hockey game. And uh, he had the great pleasure of doing uh, tonight's men's hockey game between UBC and Alberta with his dad, Tim. So we thank him as well. And, of course, Dale Wiener and Doug Richards helping out with the broadcast there at War Memorial. It's a long night. My mouth has stopped working. War Memorial Gymnasium. Daryl Wiener, Doug Richards, thank you as well for doing the broadcast. And uh, that is going to be it for us here on CITR Sports. Our last thank you goes to the hosts of the shows we preempted today, uh, the Leo Ramirez Show, our, our Wave, and uh, Notes from the Underground, as well as Synaptic Sandwich. Um, there is going to be a little bit of disruption for those shows and others over the next couple of weeks because we are doing playoff games and we really don't know when a lot of these games will be taking place. So please check our schedule at citr.ca and that's also where you can download podcasts of your favorite shows and favorite editions of those shows. So uh, certainly if you've missed one today, you know, you missed Leo's show or our wave go to our website and download a podcast of your favorite show or download all of the podcasts and uh, you can listen to them uh, anywhere you want. And another great feature of our website, our podcasts, please take advantage of them and uh, enjoy uh, the great programming that we are able to produce here uh, out of the Student Union Building here at the University of British Columbia. And uh, once again, UBC winning in five sets in women's volleyball. They take the Canada West Championship in women's volleyball. They will almost positively will go in as the number one seed at the Canada at the Canadian University Championships in Quebec City. 
and they are fighting for, of course, a fourth straight national championship. Uh, the UBC men's hockey team, they lose uh, 4 nothing to Alberta, and their season is done with no playoff appearance. And the UBC men's basketball team defeating Manitoba today. They sweep their two-game series uh, without a loss, best two out of three. And UBC will go on to the next round. They will host the Canada West Final Four. We will, of course, have that for you here on CITR as well. So uh, another busy weekend happening for us next weekend. We'll be broadcasting live from Quebec City as well as here on campus at UBC in men's basketball as well as women's volleyball. So once again, thank you very much for joining us on this very snowy night in Vancouver, a night where, uh, of course, we found out that we will be having a new premiere, and we found out who that person will be, Christy Clark. And, of course, the night where UBC uh, triumphs in uh, their playoff matches here on campus. Thank you again, and uh, please join us next Friday for more CITR Sports Action, your home of UBC Athletics in Vancouver. We are going to bring you the uh, BBC World Service coming up, but not before uh, some messages here from our station. Thank you again for listening. My name is Wilson Wong. Have a great rest of the weekend. Liveband.com is Vancouver's community-driven concert calendar. New shows are added daily by the city's most active promoters, musicians, and by the driving force of the music scene, the fans. Liveband.com's listings are different because they are integrated with profiles updated by bands and business owners as they promote upcoming events. Check out the archives to see how closely we've worked within the community to put on the shows you love. Visit LiveMusicVancouver.com for the latest independent and major label event listings. LiveVan.com, Vancouver's community-driven concert calendar. We want to be free to ride our machines without being hassled by the man. And we want to get loaded. On Fridays from 1 till 2 p.m., prepare to get your jeans dirty. Join me, Bobby the Badger Ferris, for the greasier side of rock and roll, rhythm and blues, and country. From Hank to the Helicopters, from Otis to the Oblivions, it's the perfect way to slither into your weekend. We won't talk about the habits. Just the music and the man. That's The Barn Burner every Friday from 1 till 2 p.m. only on CITR 101.9. Become a friend of CITR and receive great discounts at businesses around Vancouver. Your Friends of CITR card will get you discounts on Main Street at Antisocial Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Woo Vintage, The Kiss Store, Lucky's Comics, Neptune Records, Red Cat Records, The Regional Assembly of Text, RX Comics, Temple of the Modern Girl, Flaming Angels Boutique, and The Wallflower Modern Diner. 
pays to be a friend of CITR. To find out more, come visit us in room 233 of the sub on UBC campus or visit us online at citr.ca. The Biltmore Cabaret is your home for great live music in Vancouver. Tuesday, March 1st, check out Swedish indie poppers The Concrete playing songs from their latest LP, WYWH. Million Young and the Wit Sundays round out the bill. Doors are at 8 p.m. Friday, March 11th, don't miss the catchy stylings of Diamond Rings and P.S. I Love You as part of their co-headlining North American tour. Doors are at 8 p.m. and the show starts at 9.30. Wednesday, March 30th, New York folk rockers O-Death and Rough Trade recording artist Strange Boys will share the stage along with guests Natural Child. Doors open at 8 p.m. Wednesday, April 13th, come get your mind blown by network recording artists The Submarines playing songs off their latest LP, Love Notes, Letter Bombs. Nick Freitas will open the show. Doors are at 8 p.m. For tickets to these shows, go to the Biltmore, Red Cat, Zulu, or online to ticketweb.ca. For information you can use, including a full schedule of upcoming shows, head to BiltmoreCabaret.com. What is this? CITR 101.9 FM. A center for ants! What? We're a radio station broadcasting from UBC Vancouver. How can we be expected to teach children to learn how to read if they can't even fit inside the building? Visit CITR.ca. Derek, it's just a... I don't want to hear your excuses! The center has to be at least... three times bigger than this! Well, the party is off to a good start. Guests are on time. Everyone's out to have fun and to help others fun. What's the matter? Doesn't that sound exciting to you? UBC students have an alternative. Looking to unwind? Check out one of the sub's two licensed establishments. The Pit Pub and Burger Bar is home of the famous Pit Night. Relax with great prices on cold beer and lots of big screen HD TVs or chow down on charbroiled burgers, beer battered fish and chips, and Belgian fries. The pit is open seven days a week, and Wednesday through Saturday is open late until 2 a.m. This business is owned and operated by the AMS, your student society. What might one hear when listening to an episode of Mondo Trash Show with Maxwell Maxwell on CITR 101.9 FM? I love you so much, Madonna. Sundays at 9 o'clock in the evening. And that's why I'm going to kill you. Sundays at 9 o'clock in the evening. Just look at this muscle. Man. Oh, God, it's so beautiful. Hey, I'm Maxwell Maxwell, and every Sunday at 9 p.m. on CITR, I play electro and indie rock, and I give away free concert tickets, and you should totally listen, because it's pretty cool. Well, the party is off to a good start. Guests are on time. Everyone's out to have fun and to help others fun. What's the matter? Doesn't that sound exciting to you? UBC students have an alternative. Looking to unwind? Check out one of the sub's two licensed establishments. Ooh. 
Pit Pub and Burger Bar is home of the famous Pit Night. Relax with great prices on cold beer and lots of big screen HD TVs or chow down on charbroiled burgers, beer battered fish and chips, and Belgian fries. The Pit is open seven days a week and Wednesday through Saturday is open late until 2 a.m. This business is owned and operated by the AMS, your student society. Thanks to sky-high gas prices, we can convince America that more drilling is the answer. High gas prices? Drill more. Prices still high? Try drilling in a wildlife refuge. We're often nice people. Our traditional energy resources are limited. Luckily, it's easy for students like you to conserve energy. Woke up late for class? Buy some time in the morning by taking a shorter shower. Cut down by one minute every day and save enough to fund your daily caffeine fix for over a week. Plus, you save on electricity and water. Install a water-saving showerhead to save even more. For more energy-saving tips, go to www.bchydro.com. This message brought to you by BC Hydro and CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver. The state of hip-hop right now, man, as far as the way I see it, um, I think right now um, hip-hop is advancing as far as skills. You got brothers, you know what I'm saying, getting, like, more witty. There ain't nobody to be pretty for. Let it rattle. Let the clatter kill him. Let the cataclysm wash. Who really listens? Precision with a verse draws a cry. Draw a line between an easy melody and peace of mind. Uh -huh. You got DJs doing all kind of crazy shit on the turntables. I like where it's going, and I like, you know what I'm saying, the creative process that Brothers is trying to take it to right now. Rally Rells and Brendan Butter in the place to be. Crimes and Treasons Radio, 101.9 FM, Vancouver. CITR.ca, every Tuesday, 9 till 11. Dynamite! President shaking hands with Germany's Chancellor, the President of the European Commission. A third shows a happy grip and grin with Barack Obama. Here's Elshad Nasirov of Sokhar. Tell me about the role that Azerbaijan now plays in international energy production and supply. But of course, uh, the production of gas and oil and oil products in Azerbaijan in this particular geographical region is of substantial importance for the uh, market situation in the world since uh, if you look at the map hydrocarbon reaches that uh, are accumulated in the East Caspian region Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan can reach European uh, destination only across Russia, Iran or Azerbaijan and of course any consumer has the right to choose. It must be a rather nice position to be in having the leaders of Western Europe, the Western world, coming to Azerbaijan and shaking hands and wanting to sign deals. Well, it's pleasant, of course, but that doesn't affect the commercial decisions on the solutions or decisions on the transportation routes. But, of course, it's a obvious thing that those who want to buy, they meet those who can sell. 
How many people work in the oil and gas industry in Azerbaijan? Can you give me an estimate? Uh, the total number of employees in, in Sokar is approximately 70,000 people, but the total number of those working in the oil and gas industry should include also several other companies of Azerbaijani origin and, of course, several thousands of expat uh, professionals that are working together with our professionals. So perhaps 100,000 people, maybe more, out of a population of, what, 9 million, I think? Well, I can only say that every family in Azerbaijan, and especially in Baku, has some family members working in the oil and gas industry. Is there a danger that the country is um, too committed to that one industry, that diversification would be a smart thing to do? Well, it's too difficult to say whether Azerbaijan totally relies on oil and gas or the hydrocarbon civilization was relying on Azerbaijan because everything that was conducted first time in the world in the oil and gas industry was conducted here. It was the first industrial production, the first oil tanker called Zoroaster, the first oil pipeline from Baku to Batumi, the first offshore oil production in 1949. So uh, the country which provided so many first in the world as far as the oil and gas industry is concerned has the right to rely more than other countries on the oil and gas industry. What's the future for Europe without Azerbaijan? I would say that nobody would have likened to have future without Azerbaijan because if you take the history of the civilization, first was the Stone Age or Stone Civilization, then Bronze Civilization, then Iron Civilization, and then by the end of the 19th century came the hydrocarbon civilization, which was initiated by the oil production in Baku and by invention of the internal combustion engine. Definitely the 21st century will be the last one relying, relying on the hydrocarbons, but we are proud to say that we contribute a lot into the civilization of the world. The 21st will be the last hydrocarbon century. We in Azerbaijan, of course, would like to extend that hydrocarbon civilization into the centuries to come. But you're not optimistic. You think that within 90 years it'll be over? It will definitely not be over, but definitely there will be some other sources of energy on this planet or others. I spoke to um, a deputy minister at the energy department who said Azerbaijan would still be producing oil in 200 years. It struck me as being rather optimistic. I would agree with them, uh, with those who are so optimistic. It will not be, of course, in the volumes that uh, could be achieved at the peak of production, but still the hydrocarbons will be left because we have been producing oil for 161 years already, or 163 already, but still the peak of production is now, not in the previous years. So we keep going. Do you think we've reached peak oil now? Not yet. But close. If we combine the uh, liquid and gas hydrocarbons, the peak is still in front of us, ahead. But for crude? The peak is expected to be this year or next year. That means your business, the oil part of your business, 
it's all downhill from here, isn't it? I wouldn't say downhill because we can uh, produce more gas. There are some other fields that can produce more oil. And downhill is a very subjective word. Elshed Nastirov, thanks very much for your time. My pleasure, Mike. Thank you. The end of humanity's hydrocarbon age within a century and global peak oil this year or next, the point where production begins a terminal decline. They're striking statements from a man in his position. Still, he expects the gas reserves to last much longer and maybe this strange flame here, these burning rocks on this surreal hillside, maybe they will continue and maybe Yanadag won't soon go the way of the natural flames at the fire temple of Baku, the Ates Jar, it's called, worshipped by Zoroastrians for centuries. After heavy exploitation of the nearby gas fields, the flame went out in 1969, and today the fire is fed by a pipeline from the main city supply. The sun has gone down now, and the mountain is dark. Except, of course, for the furious orange flames of Yanar Dag. Thank you for your time. I do hope you'll join us here on One Planet next week. From the fire mountain of Azerbaijan, goodbye. BBC. We live on the same planet, but our experiences can be worlds apart. The gender divide is one of the great extremes still separating one nation from another. To mark International Women's Day, the BBC asks which are the best and worst places in the world to be a woman. Extreme World continues on the 8th of March from the BBC. Every Wednesday, Heart and Soul explores the role of faith, spirituality and religion in our everyday lives. And if you miss an episode, you can download it as a weekly podcast at bbcworldservice.com. This is the BBC in Shanghai. Bangalore. Welcome. New York. Wherever you are, you're with the BBC. BBC World Service, it's 7 o'clock GMT. This is The World Today with Rebecca Kesby. The UN Security Council unanimously votes to refer Libya to the International Criminal Court. The Security Council has come together to condemn the violence, pursue accountability and adopt biting sanctions targeting Libya's unrepentant leadership. But when and if the crisis ends, who might end up in the dock and will UN sanctions have any impact in the meantime? Also today, New Zealand tries to recover from the earthquake. I'm noticing in more recent days a revival of courage, noble mutual support, spontaneous acts of kindness. It's as if the city is trying to recover its spirit. And we'll hear from rural Afghanistan on how widowed women struggle to cope in a patriarchal society without a male relative. First, the news. BBC News, this is Mike Cooper. The UN Security Council has approved the immediate referral of Libya to the International Criminal Court over alleged abuses during the current violence. 
In a unanimous vote, the Council also agreed a package of sanctions against the Libyan leader, Muammar Gaddafi, and members of his family and close associates, including international travel bans and the freezing of assets of Colonel Gaddafi's family members. It also imposed a complete arms embargo on Libya. The US ambassador to the UN, Susan Rice, said the international community had spoken with one voice. This is a clear warning to the Libyan government that it must stop the killing. Those who slaughter civilians will be held personally accountable. The international community will not tolerate violence of any sort against the Libyan people by their government or security forces. A growing number of refugees and displaced persons from Libya is causing international concern. The UN Secretary-General told the Security Council that 22,000 people are reported to have fled to Tunisia and 15,000 to Egypt. Our correspondent Jim Muir is on the Libya-Tunisia border. They're stuck here on the border. Uh, they have not the resources to move on, and there are hundreds and hundreds of them. We're talking now about probably an accumulation of at least 15,000. Uh, moving that number of people from a remote border uh, to airports or ports where they can be got out is going to take certainly days, if not weeks. And in the meantime, it's bitterly cold at nights here, many of them having to just sit outside in the cold with huddling in blankets and so on. And the, uh, obviously the sanitary facilities are, are zero, so it is a, a, an appalling situation. The formation of a transitional government for Libya is reported to be underway in the rebel-controlled eastern town of Benghazi. The former Justice Minister Mustafa Abdel-Jalil, quoted by a privately owned Libyan newspaper, said that the body would prepare for elections in three months' time. The Chinese Prime Minister Wen Jiabao has said he's determined to enhance people's living standards and maintain social stability by controlling inflation and reducing the economic growth target to 7% to prevent the economy from overheating. Answering questions posed by Chinese internet users in what's become an annual online chat, Mr Wen said the measures aimed to ensure that growth was sustainable. Martin Patience reports. Ahead of the country's annual parliamentary session, Premier Wen was sending a strong signal. He wants China to see more sustainable growth amidst concerns that the economy could overheat here. The leadership wants to do this by encouraging more domestic consumption. It's spending billions of dollars in education and scientific research to achieve this goal. That, it believes, will make China less dependent on exports, which up until now have fueled the country's remarkable growth. World news from the BBC. In the general election in Ireland, the governing party, Fianna Foyle, has suffered its heaviest defeat in decades. The votes are still being counted, but the main opposition party, Fine Gael, has made significant gains across the country, though it's short of an outright majority. It's now expected to form a coalition government with the centre-left Labour Party. Tom Curran, the General Secretary of Fine Gael, says the governing party had been punished by the electorate for their mistakes in handling the Irish economy. They didn't just lose the election, they imploded. It was more than lose. I mean, they just fell from a 40-storey building and hit the ground. So they have a lot of work to do. Uh, but, I mean, we're proud that the Irish people have given us the job now of rebuilding this country. We did it when we founded the state, and we will do it again. Church services have been held across New Zealand to honour the victims of last Tuesday's earthquake that devastated the centre of the city of Christchurch. 147 people are known to have died, and around 50 more remain missing. 
tens of thousands of labor union supporters in the United States have taken part in rallies across the country. They were protesting against proposals by many state governments to strip public employees of their collective bargaining rights. The protests began two weeks ago in the northern state of Wisconsin. Democratic senators there have left the state to prevent a vote taking place on proposed legislation that would restrict union rights and activities. Police in Mexico say the naked bodies of four dead men with their heads severed have been dumped in a square in the city of Nuevo Laredo, close to the border with the United States. Gunmen laid the bodies out on a sheet in full view of horrified pedestrians, together with a handwritten message from the Gulf Drugs cartel to a rival gang. Beheadings have become a frequent feature of the violent struggle between Mexican drugs gangs fighting for control of smuggling routes into the U.S. BBC News. You're listening to the BBC World Service. This is The World Today with Rebecca Kesby. And on the programme today, we'll be getting the latest from our correspondents in Libya and more on the plight of the thousands of African workers trapped in the country and suspected by some locals of supporting Colonel Gaddafi. We have many Africans in Libya who have not got any means to leave because they are afraid, they are afraid of their lives. It did a very big mistake by using the West, uh, the Sub-Sahara black to fight its own people. Because of that now, they see every black as one. And on a very different subject, the uh, Tea Party movement gathers in Arizona and some activists there are keen to defend themselves against criticism. The grenades in this case are an analogy for insults from the outside, like you're a hypocrite or you're a racist. Those are the bombs that they throw at us. The reality is the left, they are professional activists, what they've been doing. We are not. You know, we've been spending most of our time raising our families, building our businesses. That's still to come. And joining us on the program today, on the line from Washington, D.C., John Gizzi joins us. He's a political journalist for the United States' oldest right of center newsweekly human events. Nice to have you back on the program, John. Always a pleasure to be back. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. It's our pleasure, John. And here in the studio with me, Claire Spencer, who's head of the Middle East and North African program at Chatham House, which is an international think tank in London. Um, and it's your first time on the program, Claire. It is. It's nice to be here in slightly more relaxed mode than instant reactions to what's going on in the Middle East. Well, I was about to say, it must have been a very busy few weeks for you. Yeah, it's been hectic because I kicked off covering uh, what was going on in Tunisia and then, of course, you know, it segued into Egypt and now we're dealing with Libya and I don't think the story ends there. And, of course, there have been protests further afield in Bahrain, Yemen, uh, a bit in Morocco and we are really required to cover all of it and have something to say. And you haven't really had a break, have you? Because I think even on holiday you were being pressed. Well, I had a pre-planned uh, trip skiing and um, even there, yes, I got lost down the ski slopes and this was in the middle of the Egyptian uh, protests. It was the week before Mubarak it went but it was when things were hotting up I felt somewhat guilty to be going but I went and I got lost from my companions and stopped on the slopes expecting a call to tell me where they were and to only to find it was the BBC saying would I care to appear in the studio <laughs> and I said well yes if you helicopter me off the mountain I'd be delighted uh, I, probably didn't, I didn't happen no. No. okay um, and John uh, Gizzy uh, I know I, I'm not gonna say how many years you've been uh, reporting um, from the White House but I, I guess it's a fair few um, you've had a, an opportunity to meet uh, Jay Carney um, this week, the new White House press secretary. Well, we haven't actually shaken hands yet, Rebecca, but 
I got my first question in to my sixth White House press secretary since I've been a correspondent in the White House briefing room, and that was last Wednesday. Uh, Mr. Carney was up at the podium talking about, you guessed it, Libya. He moved around the room. I was in the fourth row. I said, I'll never get called on because Robert Gibbs used to work those front two rows and then maybe have a time for a few others. Well, Mr. Carney said, let me call on some others I don't know. He called on me and I asked who the Libyan opposition groups were that the administration was in touch with. He came right out and said, I'd refer you to the State Department. I don't have that information. Obviously, it wasn't what I was looking for, for a major scoop, but he didn't string me along. <laughs> okay, well, no doubt a prosperous relationship uh, being fostered there, John, um, in the months ahead for you. Uh, John Gizzy and Claire Spencer, our guests today. And if you've got questions or comments for either of them or anything you hear on the programme, get in touch. Uh, you can send us an email, worldhaveyoursay at bbc.com, or a text message from your mobile phone this is the number four four seven seven eight six twenty sixty eighty and as we were hearing in the news there the United Nations Security Council has voted to refer Libya to the International Criminal Court over alleged abuses that have taken place there during the current violence the council also passed a package of sanctions against the Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi members of his family and in a circle the US ambassador Susan Rice spoke in the Security Council chamber when atrocities are committed against innocents, the international community must speak with one voice, and today it has. Acting under Chapter 7, the Security Council has come together to condemn the violence, pursue accountability, and adopt biting sanctions, targeting Libya's unrepentant leadership. This is a clear warning to the Libyan government that it must stop the killing. Those who slaughter civilians will be held personally accountable. The international community will not tolerate violence of any sort against the Libyan people by their government or security forces. Susan Rice there, U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Meanwhile, uh, Libya's second city, Benghazi, is in the hands of the rebels or opposition groups, if we can describe them as groups at this stage. Certainly people there are trying to rebuild some kind of functioning system. And our correspondent John Lyne is in Benghazi and joins us now. Um, hi there, John. Thanks for joining us. Yes, good morning. The uh, UN Security Council there referred uh, Libya to the International Criminal Court over these uh, alleged abuses during the current violence, and um, some in Benghazi have already been gathering the sort of evidence that might be useful for that, haven't they? Yeah, that's right. I was at the uh, headquarters of the internal of much feared internal security here. They're the kind of secret police, basically, who would could arrest you just for nothing and hold you for months and months or years even. And uh, inside there, we saw really sinister dark cells with just one tiny window up at the up, high up in the ceiling. Uh, four or five people would be held in a cell that I was amazed even one person could stay and you could barely lie down even end to end. There was no sign of any furniture or anything in them. And uh, it, it, it also in the headquarters, we saw people literally uh, uh, pulling up files, pulling out the files, loading them back of a car for taking away for some kind of future possible uh, prosecution in the future. So they were uh, already getting ready. And they, they said they even had pictures of people 
which they believe was a kind of hit list which the old security forces had used a hit list of uh, people they were just going to uh, sort of knock off in the street basically so they're, they're collating all these papers pertaining to some kind of prosecutor I'm not quite clear they really know who they're going to take it to yet but obviously they would like people brought to justice eventually yeah I mean that brings uh, to the point that the the fact that it, it, it is people just grouping together to try and organize themselves in Benghazi at the moment isn't it have they got plans about how they may structure things um, after Gaddafi if he is to be overthrown well, they've got already here a sort of provisional uh, series of committees they've set up, uh, which seem quite organised, actually. If you go into the courthouse building, they've, get, they've gathered a series of people together. Um, they've got distinguished judges and lawyers and activists. And uh, they've already named these committees. They, they named them officially after Friday prayers uh, on Friday. And uh, they've, they've then set up a series of subcommittees, basically, to deal with things like food distribution, uh, press and publicity, and so on and so forth. So it, it's actually remarkably organized here. It's just kind of happened spontaneously. Uh, but the city, people say, for example, somebody said, oh, he, he was given that he was delegated the responsibility of cleaning the streets. And he'd gone to the company that had been cleaning the streets before, and they'd already got to work, and they'd already come out, and the streets were cleaner than ever before. And, John, the Libyan delegation at the UN uh, have all defected against Colonel Gaddafi now, I think, and they, they've said they want to represent the people now. Uh, they're said to be in discussions about setting up some sort of interim government. But the people you've been speaking to back home there in Benghazi, how will they respond to that? Will they accept that kind of leadership? I think this is very early days to talk about that. I've heard, for example, that the former justice minister here, uh, who, who to, to his credit, did defect fairly early on in this process, has talked about setting up a provisional government. I think the thing about particularly Colonel Gaddafi's rule is we've seen these kind of semi-revolutions perhaps in Tunisia and in Egypt where some of the old regime have stayed in power but here it's very difficult to see that happening because uh, Colonel Gaddafi's rule first of all was the rule of one person and really almost anybody associated with him is going to be discredited very very quickly so I suspect there's going to be much more of a clean sweep here but it, it is very early days and I think possibly the opposition might accept some people who conducted themselves fairly well during the revolution as it at least playing a role in the transition, but it's, it's too early really to say on that. John, it sounds fairly blustery where you are in Benghazi. Is that rain we can hear, or...? The weather here has been worse than London, unbelievably. <laughs> There's <laughs> driving rain this morning and, and blustery gales, which have been quite a problem for those being evacuated. Uh, as, as you may have heard, that, for example, the British uh, nationals who were taken out in HMS Cumberland took 36 hours to get the relatively short journey from here to Malta, so it's, it's very, very stormy weather here, yeah. Stormy times. Um, Claire Spencer is with us, John. She's head of the Middle East and North Africa programme at Chatham House. Yes, good morning. I, I was just wondering, this is obviously these committee systems and the beginnings of a local government in Benghazi have sort of somewhat arisen organically, but I'm just wondering how representative these different structures are of the different elements of the opposition movement. I mean, where's the military units in this, for example? Is there, is there a sense that this is controlled by the civilian protesters or is there a military security element? And indeed, where's the intelligence services gone? 
Oh, the intelligence services have disappeared. Yep. Uh, they're, they're playing no part in it. Anybody who's maintaining any kind of loyalty to Colonel Gaddafi, whether they are here or not, people don't quite know. They're a little bit nervous, but they've vanished. Mm. The military is a bit more murky. Uh, basically, one key, uh, some key military units here, including a commando unit and also the Air Force Base, defected last weekend in the midst of the protests. Yep. Uh, I went to the Air Force Base yesterday. They're still here. The commando unit are still formed. They helped to storm the main base here which you know gave the victory the key victory of the protesters here and they're still a formed unit on the edge of the town apparently just sitting there really uh, I, I, we went we went past a place in the center of town where the th there is a sort of mini military base where they're taking in receiving uh, weapons looted weapons and uh, my lo the local people who just said oh well, that's the military we're just leaving them be they're, they're helping to protect us we're not mm. we're not dealing with them so that's the military I don't think they're on these committees but they're maintaining a presence the ones who defected very early on the ones who fought it out here uh, and the pro-Gaddafi people have just completely vanished. Nobody quite knows what happened to them. They seem there's reports that they just got in a convoy of uh, SUVs in a convoy of land cruisers and made their way to the airport and fled on civilian planes. It's a little bit murky. Yeah. Now, on the issue of who's in these committees, that is interesting because we were up in the courthouse building, which is above the main square where they were having Friday prayers, when they announced the names of the committees formally to the mass, the hundreds of thousands of people who are out there. And the people I was with, they were a little bit nervous because they're worried that the, that the masses here might feel that their revolution's being hijacked by these mm. more academic and lawyer people. They got a good reception to that, and I, I think it went fine. But, but there is a kind of nervousness there about that, that there might be some kind of split between um, the, the intellectuals and, and the wider people. But I, actually, that hasn't happened so far and there's an incredibly positive mood ever I went to the bank just near me here for example yesterday where they're queuing for money and I said is there a problem is there a problem with getting getting your money out they're, no 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 problem at all no problem at all it's wonderful everything's fine and then they start chanting you know for the future of Libya and so on so there's th th if, if there are possible fractures in the future they certainly haven't appeared yet hmm. all right John line uh, live from Benghazi thank you very much for joining us despite the uh, adverse weather conditions you could probably hear sounds like torrential rain and uh, wind uh, there in Libya at the moment. Um, just a, a quick question to you, John Gizzi, there in Washington, D.C. World, yes. world leaders um, in recent days have been very keen, haven't they, to send the message to the associates of uh, Colonel Gaddafi that they will also be held to account. Um, and, of course, one of the closest people to him is, is one of his sons, Saif al-Islam. Right. He is the uh, paymaster, essentially, of the regime uh, and its public face on television when the colonel himself can't appear. Uh, the man long considered the heir apparent to Colonel Gaddafi. And certainly he, as well as the other six sons of the leader and his daughter Aisha are all going to be under close scrutiny in the coming days. And that could prove to be, Claire, relatively embarrassing perhaps for other people outside Libya because uh, certainly Saif al-Islam has made lots of friends in Europe at least. Well, there's certainly um, a bit of a dispute over... Saif al-Islam has always been seen as a slightly controversial character, but those who've been associated with his, uh, his Gaddafi foundation have argued that actually, you know, he 
was keen on reforming things in Libya, but it's his father who prevented him, and every time he tried to launch anything, it was stopped in his tracks. But it's also the case that as the son of Muammar Gaddafi, he's not an elected official. He's where he is because he's his father's son. Uh, the money obviously comes from um, the oil revenues of Libya, so is it really Gaddafi Foundation money or is it Libyan public money? Um, so, in a sense, he's been put in a corner and had to decide whether he stays or goes, and frankly, if he if he went, where would he go? Who would ha have him? So he's put he's put his lot in with his father, and I think this is this is a difficulty for all of them that um, you know they sink or swim together. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The World Today from the BBC World Service. I'm Rebecca Kesby and our guests are Claire Spencer and John Gizzi. We've been talking about our top story. The UN Security Council has voted unanimously to refer Libya to the International Criminal Court for an investigation into alleged abuses during the current protests. It also agreed a package of sanctions against the Libyan leader, Muammar Gaddafi, and his associates. You can get in touch, worldhaveyoursay, at bbc.com. Now, the lives of women in rural Afghanistan are notoriously difficult. Women are also obliged to keep a very low profile, often behind locked doors, and it can be difficult for aid workers to reach them. But the NATO-led mission there believes improving women's lives is crucial to the rebuilding of the country. In this report, Poonam Tanjira follows the British Army's female engagement team in Lashkar Gagar and uh, tries to help a group of widows out of poverty. This small village near Lashkagar in Helmand province is home to 80 widows, bereaved as a result of years of conflict. They're rarely seen in public. To help them, soldiers like Lance Corporal Stacey Nicholson of the female engagement team need to travel to their compounds in an armoured convoy. Women in, in that culture, they get kept behind closed doors. It's not because the men want to rule um, the roost type of thing, it's more of their safety. Um, so when we do come into areas, we find that um, some women are scared. She spent three months working with Wakil, the village elder. She needs his permission to talk to the women. Once that elder gets to know me and realises what my job is, um, he then invites me to his compound to meet his women. Once he's comfortable with me speaking to them, um, he then takes me to another compound, maybe his friends or his brothers, um, and I speak to them women. And eventually it'll go on to um, female shorers with a purpose, um, reference health initiatives or childcare, uh, education, different things like that. So it just gradually expands from the elders' compound to villagers' compound to one big shore. I have many good things for you. Gradually, the area's widows arrive at the meeting, known as a shura. The youngest are barely out of their teens. They face a life of poverty, dependent on handouts from relatives. The team's here to help them start up their own sewing cooperative. Although it's early days, it's hoped it will offer the women an opportunity to support their families. Um, so thank you very much for all the help you've given. Throughout the meeting, the widows, between eight to ten of them, sit huddled together in silence, shrouded by their veils. But elsewhere in Helmand, widows are slowly finding a voice. 
At the police headquarters in Lashkagar, a group of women are training to be officers. Saragama's husband was a policeman killed on duty three years ago. She was left to support two children. Individuals right now are facing with this so difficult and hard problems right now. For example, she when she became widow, she was working in the car house as a servant, and she's paying for her about two dollars. Under the Afghani, became two dollars, and per day. And then Nagar told her, just come join the police, and you can sort out your all problems. Saragama has since remarried, but others are not so fortunate. The country has the highest proportionate number of widows in the world, and many continue to live in poverty. Poonam Taneja there reporting from Lashkar And Claire Spencer, you know Afghanistan quite well. You used to work there for Christian Aid. Well, I was on a visit. I was head of policy for the Middle East and Central Asia, and so went over to Herat, which is where the majority of Christian Aid programs were um, in Afghanistan. And I think, like, so many people who go to Afghanistan, you just find the tenacity of local people in difficult situations really inspiring. I was there coincidentally when there was a tank battle going on and the Afghans were just incredibly calm, very helpful. They gave me sat phones and everything else. And there was this sense that the only way this, this society is going to move on is with educating women. And there was a very inspiring woman doctor, I seem to remember, in one of the clinics. She was there with her husband, originally from Kabul, extremely well educated, but in the middle of nowhere running this little clinic and so you know one feels sorry that there isn't more infrastructural uh, support for these kind of developments because when you get very insightful educated women it makes a huge difference Lots more to come from Claire Spencer and John Gizzy this hour. But uh, let's take a moment to look at the sport now. And golf has a new world number one. And apparently there's a big cricket match of some kind uh, happening in India fairly soon. Richie Stevens, I'm sure you've got the details. I have, Rebecca. Yes, good morning. It's Martin Keimer of Germany. We'll go to the top of the rankings in world golf when they're published on Monday. Keimer reached the final of the world match play event at the Dove Mountain course in Arizona. Donald qualified by easily beating the American Matt Kuchar in the semi-final, while Keimer edged out another American Bubba Watson by one hole. For the first time, the final of this event will be played over just 18 holes instead of 36. And Donald has plenty of respect for his opponent, Keimer, who, win or lose, will displace England's Lee Westwood at the top of the rankings. Well, he's going to be strong. I mean, he's had a, a great uh, run the last few years, um, climbed up the rankings extremely quickly, winning tournaments all over the place, major champion. I mean, his uh, resume is endless the last few years, so he's a very consistent player, hits the ball far, and uh, will be a very tough opponent. Luke Donald there. Now, not many football supporters here in England will be asking themselves if Arsenal can end their frustrating six-year wait for a major trophy today. The Gunners meet another Premier League side, Birmingham, in the League Cup final at Wembley. Injury has ruled out two of Arsenal's first-choice players, Captain Seth Fabregas and Theo Walcott. And that will give hope to Birmingham manager Alex McLeish. It's a big opportunity for us. You know, Arsenal have got uh, some fixtures to worry about maybe a bit of congestion and uh, you know we we're a little bit fresher after getting a week's rest I'm, I'm sure that's done the players the world of good but we've got to see it as an opportunity and it's my first cup final in England I hope it's not the last I certainly not going in here just to enjoy it I want to win it Alex McLeish whose Birmingham City side will be looking for their first major trophy in almost half a century 
Now in Spain, Barcelona have extended their lead at the top of the table to seven points. The reigning champions won 3-0 at Mallorca, while Real Madrid were held to a goalless draw at Deportivo. Cricket, co-hosts and favourites, India meet England in Group B of the World Cup in Bangalore, and a game that is scheduled to start in less than two hours from now. There are concerns the game may be affected by bad weather, but the England captain, Andrew Strauss, says it should still be a great occasion. Huge sense of anticipation. Uh, you know, as I said... After the Holland game, this is a, a huge occasion. There's going to be a great atmosphere here at, um, in Bangalore. And I think it's one of those games that everyone dreams of playing, you know, playing against India in the World Cup on their home turf. Um, it's a great opportunity for, for us and one that we're very excited about. Andrew Strauss, England cricket captain. That's it from me. Back to you, Rebecca. Thank you very much for that. Richie Stevens there with a roundup of the world of sport. Uh, we're coming back straight after the news headlines, which are next. My lord, I would like the good character of my client taken into account. She has borne her load without complaint and has suffered... A donkey in court. Not quite so improbable. Throughout history, donkeys, pigs, dogs, rats, even insects have been put on trial and convicted. In animal trials for the pig that killed the child is dressed up in human clothes and it's hanged. The BBC looks at how and why these extraordinary scenes were played out in courtrooms for centuries. Even though it might seem irrational, in the absence of something else to blame, the trial did operate, I think, as a kind of catharsis. Animals on trial. Online from the 16th of March at bbcworldservice.com. Every Wednesday, we bring you a story from the cutting edge of science, and you can discover it on your MP3 player by getting our free podcast. Head to bbcworldservice.com to find out how.